Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 57. John, how are you doing this Friday evening? Man, I'm feeling fantastic. It's the weekend. How are you feeling tonight? Excited for the weekend, yeah. I'm drained from work all, mm-hmm. all week long and ready to get... So glad this day is freaking over with that work. I'm straight stressed out and ready to just relax. Yes. That's what's up for me. So this is going to be a relaxing time. Can't wait. Yes. And tonight we are covering Gringo Locos World on Lucha from the Collective Weekend at the UCC Center in LA in California. And I know you got a pre-show remark there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, for me, it's just a highly anticipated Gringo Loco versus Psycho Clown match. This, um, the first match between these two was just so damn good that everybody's, you know, level of anticipation here is so high. We expect really good things from these two. So that's, that's the main event for me tonight, but I don't, I know it is a double main event. So yeah, that's, that's my vote on this one. I'm really looking forward to seeing these two big cycle clown fan. I posted a picture online on Twitter, a couple pictures. Yeah. I got that for a Christmas present one year. Nice. Very cool. Yes, and it was also the main event of the collective as it was the last show of the weekend. And I thought that was smart based off of all the great lucha they've been having in LA lately, and especially if they weren't going to have any death matches per se. Um, the best way to send the crowd out happy, I think, is this world on lucha show. I mean, they could have done it with Joey's Janelle Spring Break too, but uh, this show definitely had high expectations to close out the collective strong. And in person, they. Definitely it was a different crowd. It's pretty funny, like how each show kind of had a totally different crowd, period. Um, even with a lot of the same people there, but the the chance, the like the excitement levels too during the during the shows and matches all changed. And this world on Lucha was hot the entire night. And yeah, the uh the main or was it the main event? No, not main event. It was a yeah, double main event. Gringo versus Psycho. Um, I was actually look, looking forward to the tag team match, Los Macisos versus uh the La Familia de Tijuana because that was my first time get to see uh, Damien six 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 and Bestia six 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 in person. So I was really excited to see that too. I've seen them individually only on TV. That's the only thing I can say. So actually seeing father son together was special for me. Yeah, I was really looking forward to the family versus family one. But this whole show kind of had its ups and downs too. Being a lucha show, you just expect to see all lucha and all the same flying, high flying mm-hmm. maneuvers and the incredible uh ground game that a lot of these competitors that we've seen in gcw with the lucha teams uh do there was kind of a good mismatch of wrestling they had the scramble which was felt like a gcw scramble then they had the women's match which was incredible uh the six-man tag match that's kind of what we've been seeing lately with the the lucha stuff in la and i thought that would that hit the spot too is Tony Depper versus Negro Casas, Falls Count Anywhere, then Vikingo in the main event. You had a lot of variation during this card, and I uh, was really looking forward to seeing how they would kind of change their card and adapt to it. Well, they definitely did a lot of uh, crazy shit. This six-way scramble, I felt like, okay, so I reviewed Emo Night, and then I reviewed Gringo Loco's World on Lucha, and man... The difference. (laughs) It was like I would starve for like not starved. It was like I was thirsty for water. And then I switched to the world on Lucha match and it was just like waterfall. I was like, oh, finally, I felt so relieved. It was it was a lot more fun to watch this show. Yeah. Emo, my favorites. Emo fight. Ooh, can't play favoritism on here. 
Uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> emo fight. Like I would kind of say that was kind of one of my favorite cards of the night. I think more because I was there, and it kind of felt like an after party with everyone singing along to all the songs and just having a good time. Not really focused on the in ring work. It was kind of a comedy, but they did have, especially their main event when we go over the emo fight. They had a crazy main event with the wrestling kicked up to full notch, and I think that was to reward all the fans that stayed there late uh, for that night because that was the midnight show that night. But uh, yeah, we'll go right into Gringo Locos World on Lucha as the first match was a scramble match with the team, or uh, well, not with the team, with the competitors of Willie Mac, Shane Mercer, Mago, Jimmy Lloyd, Jack Cartwheel, and Bobby Flacco. And I found it very funny that they added Jimmy Lloyd to this whole thing. That had to be a Los Macisos kind of thing because right? Jimmy's always hanging out with them, and Jimbo uh, has a lot of, not has a lot of Lucha experience, but. He's shown during these scrambles that he could uh, do the flips and lucha style when called upon. No, 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 you're right on that. And yeah, it's a surprise. It's really funny. Every now and then we've seen him get thrown into like, well, scrambles easily, but like lucha scrambles. It's kind of an interesting spot, but it was like they always have a spot for Jimmy. There's no other way to put it out there. So my recap is going to be decent, but there were six men in the ring, so it was absolute chaos. The music starts. This was during the match, mind you. The music starts and Willie starts dancing around the ring. He did the reverse worm, the whole thing. I wrote in my notes, what the fuck was that? But it was a tribute to a wrestler. I just didn't get the name off the top of my head. Do you know anything or no? No, I do not. Okay, okay, okay. But the fans around me knew. Fucking This is what I was saying. Like, these are the fans. Like, these are the same fans over all these shows. So, um... Yeah, these fans, they heard the music, and I'm like, whoa, shit, who's going to who's gonna come down here? I'm like, is Blake Christian going to ruin this show, too? And right. then, but yeah, you see Willie Mac's face turn, and then, like, the lady behind me, before anything happened, like, Willie Mac just kind of smiled, and the lady behind me was like, ooh, you know what time that is, Willie Mac? I'm like, what is, oh, what is she talking about? Like, she's already gone, and then uh-huh. Willie Mac starts dancing. I'm like, okay, this lady knows something I don't know. Like, I was, right. I was interested, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it was a tribute to somebody, because I don't know. Who it is, and that, that's something yeah. uh, I definitely am going to look into. Maybe next uh, podcast, bring it up because the lady and the, the I think it was two like older, <laughs> two older ladies behind me were like super excited to see it. And like I said, they just heard the music, and right away, you know, like if we hear someone's music, like we hear the bell and Nick Age, we're like, oh, we know what's happening. Everyone else, like, it's brand new, is like, okay, what the hell's going on here? But. The people behind me were popping, and those women were hysterical. They were, I think, one even <laughs> threw a dollar, tried to throw money in uh, before, like, as Willie Mack was dancing before the action started. I think she tried throwing a dollar in, but it came up short, and one of the cameramen picked it up and kind of left it in the corner. Um, yeah. Right in that corner. But I thought that was a great spot. I, I totally unexpected. I'm like, and then I wondered if that was something that Willie Mack does in AAA because he wrestles there quite often. I thought maybe it has something right. to do with then, too. So. It, this is one spot that definitely makes me want to research on it to see what the the deal was because I thought it was very entertaining way to start off this night and the people around me absolutely loved it and I want to find out why they loved it. Yeah, each one shined in their own way. I really can't, you know what I mean? It's like a blanket statement, but, you know, Mago was doing an amazing job. He's a little shorter than I thought, which makes him a little quicker than I guess I thought. I think it's because he's usually with Toxine. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Bobby was showing out also. You know how it is. Flacco's pretty damn awesome. He's fun. I really would have wished to have seen his entrance because I wondered if he came out on like a little dirt bike or something. Then um, Mercer was okay. So 
Bobby was basically showing out. There's a spot here. And then he got yeeted by Mercer and he went outside of the ring and it got turned into a Willie powerbomb. I don't have a better way to put that. And it's even hard for me to read back my own notes. That's why I'm saying some of this is chaos, but that was a move where it was just fantastic. There were three men working together to make that look good. And it did look really good. Willie and Mercer face off big men beating the shit out of each other. That's my favorite minute six. Everyone's hitting their topes minute seven. There was a Mercer acai moonsault. So, okay. Kind of wondering if you, uh, have anything to say about this, but I was thinking of a new dangerous tag team that might be kind of fun. Mercer and Gringo Loco. A lot of meat there. I would take it. That's the funny part. When we talk about tag teams, like possible tag team, Mercer seems to be the fit for everybody. Like he'd be, he'd, I always say yeah. Mercer, Mercer and Axon Ray is one of like, they teamed once and that was a team I never thought I knew of. I, I needed to see and I want to see a lot more of it. And I did already get an announced uh, for one of these cards coming up here. I forgot which card, but Glad to see them kind of doing that tag team. I think I've said in the past, Mercer and Alec Price, I think would make a cool team as well, just because I yeah. can see a lot of similarities there. But Mercer and Gringo is a different one that I didn't think of. And yeah, it would make sense too. You got this, got the Lucha style with the the muscle behind it. And like you said, I could just imagine Mercer tossing Bobby Flock or Gringo Loco for like a base bomb or something like that. Like who knows mm-hmm. with all that shit? Yeah, that would be a yeah. fun match. Or fun or tag team, sorry. Even- you know, you have something like Shane Mercer throwing Gringo Loco onto somebody or through something to get to somebody. For I mean, it's it's amazing. Really, what it is is Mercer's just incredibly complimentary. I think it's just his style fits so many people. You could fit him with someone like Rey Mysterio; it would work. You could fit him with someone damn near his size, and that would make a completely different makeup of a tag team. But that would also work. There's a lot of people that could benefit from his strength and turn it into something just based upon how many performers we have in GCW that can do those kind of jumps and flips and dives. And Mercer is the opposite. And that's like the cream to the coffee. I think this should be called the loco iron demon gringos. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I'm going all the way with it. I'm diving into that one. Mm -hmm. I would love it though. I, 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 as you said, I think Mercer fits in with a lot of people just because of the stuff that he could do and shit that he could do. And I, I, I want to see more of Mercer somehow, some way. Like, I know he is on all these shows, but I, I, it just feels like right now the flavor of the month for me with is, is now Shane Mercer we get to see a lot more of because we've asked for more Alec Price and he's excelled and now he's doing awesome things and crazy good uh, spotlight matches. And I think Mercer's right up there with him. They, he's put in the work and he's always on every show and willing to do anything and whatever's needed for him. And he always hits too. So um, I do hope Mercer does start to get a little bit more marquee matchups here in the near future. Shane Loco. We'll call him Shane Loco. Shane, yeah, there you go. That'd be- Shane <laughs> Loco. Right? It just, it rings, but in a weird way. Um, either that or Gringo Mercer, but it just doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't, there's something there that doesn't sit. I like Shane Loco. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do something with the Iron Demon there too. Like Gringo, Demon Gringos or something like that. Yeah. Gringo, the Iron Demon. No, the Iron Gringo Demon. The Iron. No, see, I don't know. It's going to take a while. It's going to st- take a while. I'm They'll sticking to-, to my Iron Loco Demon Gringos. I think yeah. I changed it already. And I like, I like Shane Loco. It <laughs> has a ring. But um, yeah, it just seemed like a dangerous team. So I'll just go to our finish here. Jack Cartwheel hit a corkscrew from the top rope on Mago. It was a very... Um, it was a very fun match. Again, something worth seeing because the notes were just 
they couldn't keep up. And funny thing, even commentary said we were going to have a hard time keeping up. And that's them not typing. That's verbal. It, there was just so much. It was just amazing. So, yeah, Jack Cartwheel with the win. This wasn't a super, super fast-paced affair. We've seen some where it's just go, go, go. But it was absolutely everything else inside of Scramble Match material. Mercer, Willie, and Flacco were the performers featured in this match, and they did a damn good job. Back to you, B. Yeah, I kind of want to mention. So um, <laughs> I want to mention Bobby Flacco too because uh, we've I, we've said Shane Mercer's praises. We, Willie Mack, I've said his praises many times already during this collective. The same thing with Jack Cartwheel, his improvement. But this was the most I've seen Bobby Flacco like fall out. Like he was doing crazy. I this is the most I've seen moveset wise from him too. Like I was very impressed, and I <laughs> now. Really, I want to see him kind of be inserted like Teriyaki is with these scrambles and slowly incorporate them into the traveling GCW roster because, yeah, I didn't know Bobby Flacco could do a lot of those things because I'm trying to think back. Really, what I remember him from is either the Atlanta shows and those were kind of, I think they were in like a match with SGC, I could be wrong, but I just think a settlement series and they couldn't really show out the wrestling talent there where this was a more serious show and not a comedy kind of fest to get through a... Uh, contract or whatever on the GCW had. And I really like this version of Bobby Flacco. I definitely want to see more of him. And he impressed me very much during this match because I didn't know he was a Luchas kind of style wrestler, but he started off, as you said, he kind of had a few moments at the beginning to shine and also during the middle. And I want to see more of Bobby. Also, he lives kind of an interesting life. Kind of. If you have a chance, follow him on Twitter. Like he'll be in Mexico. He'll be in, I don't know middle America somewhere like he likes to go around find like farms places out in the middle of nowhere he's a big fan of like I saw him quit cigarettes I think he was like detoxing and stuff in the middle of like a jungle somewhere dude has a real interesting life and it's really interesting like he's not a caviar kind of guy he's not one of those bullshit kind of not have time to talk to you you know nothing but steak won't eat a hot dog kind of person so I really do like that about him and again ever since he shined in I believe Atlanta. We've been seeing him more and more here and there, and then they bring him out to LA. I'm just proud of seeing him. It was nice to see him on the collective weekend. It was nice they thought about him and to bring him out here. Quite a few of our favorites, young favorites, made it out here. Yeah, it was nice seeing Teriyaki, I think, in two different matches. And Bobby Flock, I think I've seen him in two or three throughout the collective as well. But like I said, I. That was like an eye-opening one for me. I was like, okay, not sleeping on Bobby Flacco no more. Like before, nope. like I, I love the entrance with the the bike and stuff like that. But seeing him go in the ring like that was fun. And I, uh huh, yeah, I that, that was shocking to me. That then that's on me. That's not anything on Bobby. It's me not knowing because there's so much many wrestlers out there exactly what they're capable of. And that's going to kind of lead me to our. My next statement. I I'm kind of springing this on you. I I should have texted you before yes. that. Nope, don't. Let's so, do it. So we were wrong on Kenzie Page, or we just saw a bad version of Kenzie Page. She was the one that went against Sandra Moon. She's like, a, okay, she okay. was an NWA, uh, I think she wrestles for NWA still, but also like an NWA women's champion over there. And I actually saw like oh. a, about a four minute clip of one of her matches just recently, like she had just recently, I think after the collective or maybe a short okay. before. Yeah, we didn't see the, the Kenzie Page that's being portrayed on NWA or I forgot what other promotion I saw her wrestling. She was actually pretty good. Like that's what I was really? like, Oh shit. Like we were, we kind of down on her cause the performance wasn't good, but yeah, she's actually 
Or like I think I was kind of mentioning like she looked kind of green and stuff, but maybe she still is maybe a year or two or three. I don't know how long, but uh, what we saw that night was not what she has. She's actually a pretty good talent. Like <laughs> I watched the match and like in well, four minutes, I'm like that was missing from our show, and uh, I'm, I just wanted to acknowledge it, saying it because uh, yeah. that was one of those ones where like I don't know much about and I see it, and after I've already said something completely different than what I just saw, I always have to, I feel like I got to come on and say, hey, I was wrong. I take that back because. Uh, we, I didn't do it's her right. any justice. It's the right on, thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do her any justice to, during that one, uh, the Degeneration F show, but seeing her in other places, I think I take back everything I said, and she was, like I said, more impressive than what we originally saw that night, and we've kind of talked about a little bit. Some talents didn't have quite the, the live up to our expectations. Would. Yeah, because the travel issues, maybe that's her fifth match of the day. Who knows? There's a bunch of stuff going on, but I did want to go back and kind of retract uh, no. what I said about Kinsey that night. I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, I was going to say, say the same thing about Sandra, but I've, I've seen good and bad off and on quite a bit. So I'm like, well, maybe they just didn't mesh, but it wasn't. I don't know. I, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I am really looking forward to seeing more Kenzie Page there. Yeah. I, and like I said, I think we just saw the bad one. Uh, not a bad one, just not. An off, an off, uh, an off, an off performance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot worse than what they did it just after everything we saw that weekend it just kind of didn't live up to our expectations of what we were expecting throughout that match because you said we're more familiar with sandra moon being a local talent and us not too familiar with kenzie other than what we've seen on like some of these gcw outskirt shows of the settlement series and stuff like that yeah i i okay i'm a vegas local i'll just i don't see what's what it is about sandra moon like i don't want to get i just I see people say, oh, yeah, look, I don't see anything. Actually, I see just me, just me, not you, because you're actually a fan. Uh, You do, you know, I'm just like, I've watched quite a few matches. I don't see where the hype comes from unless it's just local friends in the community. I'm not really sure because I just don't see it that much. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't I'm like, I'm sitting here going, I don't know how deep I want to get into it, but I wasn't impressed with her this whole weekend. And it was less than what I normally see from her. And what I normally see from her is decent. So I think she was off. And then, yeah, I think we have to give old girl another handshake. So, yeah, I like okay. I said, I yeah. definitely would like to see Kenzie back. And now knowing that she actually does have quite a pedigree and more than I expected and impressive more than we, we saw during G Generation F. That will lead us into our second matchup of the evening. And I'm probably going to mess this up because I didn't hear it on uh, commentary. And Dolce. Not, yeah, Dolce Tormenta versus Sexy that's good. Star. Yeah. And I never heard of Dolce before. I've heard of Sexy Star before, but that's just because of, like, I guess some liberties she took either on someone in the ring or like kind of like a negative, like news report and stuff. But I've never really mm-hmm. seen them wrestle or anything like that. So I kind of went into this matchup not knowing much of them other than sexy star's name and this was actually a pretty decent match not kind of like what we were talking about the kenzie page standard moon like i just think i had high really high expectations but i think they were very close to that this didn't hit didn't get quite up there because like i say sexy star has a lot of uh triple a triple a experience and moves and stuff like that and i uh it was it, it was a good match for sure Okay, so I will help you out with something. When Sexy Star, the original one, took liberty, she was primarily blackballed from the industry. 
So this is a different girl here than the one who had uh, went through with that <laughs> whole BS. Okay. Yeah, that that lady was primarily blackballed because she was intentionally trying to injure another. I person. forgot they like, do she that. She was deemed completely unsafe. I forgot they still keep the character with different talent underneath. And yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I Learned was really something. happy with that. You know, you have someone younger under there, which means they can carry the character for a longer time than say someone who's ten or fifteen years older. I would say it looked like they put a lot of effort and time into it. She had uh, sexy, had a great outfit. I love the deep red color. I haven't actually seen the new sexy star. So that was really interesting. What I do know as a background is that both of her parents are professional wrestlers. She was also trained by the same wrestlers who trained her parents. So there is a whole little legacy here. And I'm happy to see that the sexy star name and character went to someone with at least a pedigree and a love for the sport. So then on to Dolce. Do you want to say something before I go on to her real quick? It's, no, I, oh, it's just, just uh, another learning experience. Just I'm learning. Just in, yeah, yeah, I'm just in here learning and soaking it all in. Like I said, I didn't know much of these competitors. And that it makes sense. Like I said, this one was uh, better, I think, than uh, the Kenzie Pays and Sandra Moon matches. Just, I kind of had Way expectations better. on Sexy Star based off of wrestling and AAA on the name value alone. I've heard yes. a lot of her name, but... That, that kind of makes sense why she didn't live up to my expectations of her in-ring ability because it's mm-hmm. a totally different wrestler. So that makes sense and puts all this, my, my thinking of these women on the matches in into place. It's a little clear. Yeah, I, I get that, that. there you go. So I'll, I'll be clear again. I don't know if it's Dolce, Dolce. I think it's Dolce or Dolce, but I think Dolce Gabbana, but that's Italian, I think. So sorry, guys. I, I'm really trying hard. But with um, Tormenta, there we go. Dulce, Dulce or Dulce Tormenta. With Tormenta, she has four brothers. All of them are wrestlers. She was trained by them. I would say both have good music too, and that really does matter to me. I think I heard that both of them had unique music, like was made for them music. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just me, but I could have swore I heard music that was like, like for Sexy Star, for Tormenta. That's cool, um, though, because I love that. Like, the Jimmy Lloyd has his own music. Jordan has yeah. his own music. I really do enjoy that aspect of uh, the independent wrestlers having their own music, even at such a young stage. So, yeah, both women were fast. To me, they came off more like veterans in their execution style. Um, I was also noticing Emil's voice was completely shot, as it should be. But um, you know what else I noticed? Nick Knowledge sounds like KG. I'm not going to lie. It's the verbal spacing. And he has just a touch of the accent every now and then. Feel free to go back and watch one of these matches where you know Nick is in it. Because I'm going to tell you, this would be the... Okay, first of all, Nick fucking shined. This was his show. Like, he knew all the fucking moves. He knew Spanish. He knew English. Like, he was right at home. This is the best I've heard from him. And that's just... That's incredible. Because we were talking about, I think, one of the last times we heard him, too. He was... How much he shined and improved in... And uh, yes. the commentary team. Um, I forgot. What was oh, MLJ. Yeah, I think it was. I, I don't remember what card, but there was like one of these cards. You could tell like during the entrances, his voice was shot. Like he was like cracking yeah. and breaking as he's doing doing like the 10th, 10th entrance of the day and the third day in a row doing it. And uh, I, I am shocked, though, he lasts as long as he did. Because uh, exactly. I don't think I, I obviously know I couldn't do it. But for 10 shows, well, I think he was ring announcer for about seven of them majority of them because like for the culture had jay rose and um 
I think Effie's Big Gay Brunch had a different commentator too. I'm trying to, or not commentator, um, ring announcer. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But yeah, that's a lot of shows, a lot of names, a lot of energy to bring night in, night out, show in, show mm-hmm. out. and Then commentary. Oh yeah, then I was just about to say then commentary because I haven't even listened to any of these shows with commentary. So all the talking he probably does, does he do the majority of the matches as well? Say that again? Does he do the majority of the matches throughout the collective as he's, well? He's, he's present for as much as I'm sure they'll let him be on. Oh wow. So, well, I, let's just have fun and say half, okay. give or take 10, 15% either way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He was putting in a lot of work because just he's important. He's one of those guys who can do double duty. Good for him. But um, both women fought outside the ring early in this match. Dolce was getting thrown into rows of chairs. Fast forward a little bit to minute four. There was a door that was brought out by Sexy. Gets propped in the corner. You could see when she take she took the door out from under and put it into the ring. You could see by the time she got into the ring. Like a bottom third of that door had blood all over it. Kind of cool look. That was the Joey door when uh, he Is got. That what that was? He got cut up. Yeah, that was the Joey door. He got cut up uh, during the Bushi match because, like, I noticed it when he got cut up during the Bushi match. He went right underneath and like the tables. Yeah, you can see the blood when he came out. I was all over the tables and on the floor <laughs> and stuff. Okay, so that's what that was. So eventually, then uh, Dolce was thrown into the door. Sexy with a spear. The door doesn't break. So basically, Sexy picks her up and then hit a Death Valley driver through the door and finally broke that fucking door. The tax come out at minute six because Sexy brings those things out. One minute later, Dolce slams Sexy into the tax instead. I was laughing because Nick said he smacked her like a telenovela, said, you bitch, which Emma was just laughing so fucking. I was laughing too. He goes, yeah, smacked her like a telenovela. He says, you bitch. And yeah. <laughs> And then a little later, he was still in telenovela phase, and he goes, they're fighting over the farmer's son. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, all right, I gotta go listen to this match now. Oh my god, yeah, it, w- it was great. So I said tax come out at minute six, and then she goes in the tax. So it's almost right after the tax. So somewhere in there, I think she slapped the shit out of her. That's what happened. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there were a lot of GCW chants in this match. Both women are tough. I want them back in GCW. That's kind of how I feel about that. The match hadn't even ended yet, and that's how I felt. Nick Knowledge with the three amigos and naming off the actors. I don't know if you heard oh that my. part. I didn't hear any of it, but that's... Yeah, he did the three oh amigos. He goes, this one's... Yeah, he's like, this one is... Uh, oh, who are the three amigos? You have Chevy Chase. Steve Martin. Martin Short and Steve Martin. So he goes, oh, yeah, here's Martin Short. And that was the first one. Number two with Steve Martin and he goes, okay, here we go. Here comes Chevy. And then it didn't happen. And he's like, oh, we lost Chevy Chase. And then probably 45 <laughs> to a minute later, they go, oh, there's Chevy Chase. We've got the three amigos. And that's good. I, that's funny there. I do want to listen to this. This looks like a fun commentary night. Again, yeah, Nick, Nick was off the chain. Like if you wanted Nick's best night that I've heard, this one was it. Uh, I was laughing too because sexy loves slapping ass. I just thought it was kind of funny and everybody kind of liked it. So, hey, why not? But um, Dolce here, she pulled off the win. She hit a spinning package pile driver. Sexy. It was fantastic match, almost 13 minutes long. It was one of the better female matches I'd seen all fucking weekend. So I wanted to make sure I said that out front. It was a solid wrestling match. And of course, the way I like it, they both hug at the end because that was good sportsmanship. They end up liking each other. There's no ill will. And I think they did awesome. Please come back. That's yeah. Cool. 
I, I kind of agree, Ritzy, just based off the women matches alone the, the whole weekend. It was up there as one of the better ones. Um, I was shocked when they brought out the tax. I was like, what? <laughs> like, they're, right, going, right? they're going blood over here? Like the women's death match? Not death match, but uh, just adding the tax to it was fun. One thing I noticed too during the match at the beginning, they were kind of following the rules where, um, oh, I forgot which one like was outside. And like the referee is even outside, but like the, the wrestler looked at the referee kind of like, you're not going to count? Fine. And then she rolled in and then rolled back out to break the count up. And I kind of enjoyed that because... I like the I like the rules. I like the black and white rules on some of these matches when it's just decided for the G. Like I said, when it's a GCW show and GCW match and referee, I kind of don't have any expectations of any rules. I just assume that it's all everything's up to the referee's discretion, which it normally yeah. is. Yeah. But whenever it's a kind of classical, traditional wrestlers wrestling, I do enjoy when like the rules are being followed and the counts are being uh, counted out and respected on and stuff like that. What makes racing sometimes so interesting is the fact that there's lines and boundaries. It kind of puts all the um, it puts all the talent in a box, and it's basically all about what you can do with that talent inside that box. That's why rules are fun. Also, there's those you know tag rules. We won't get into it too much, but you know you're hoping this guy makes a tag. There's a lot of suspense there. If they didn't follow the rules, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, and that, the tag I matches, it. I think that adds a lot more drama to those as well, instead of it kind of being the tornado stuff. But I also do love when it's SGC, you get the split screen camera and shit's going mm-hmm. everywhere. So I do love them both. Like, they both have their places, but like, I, I just feel like when it's a, like, the JCW title, I kind of wish was more, had the rules being followed a little bit more than what's kind of happened with it so far. We'll see. Yeah. Wide open, wide open. Um, you know, also different champions, different reigns. Yeah, true. So, you know, uh, Nick Gage reign will look different from a Masha Slamovich reign. Yeah. As a champion. Never know. Open for the best. That will lead us into our third matchup of the evening, as it is the six-man tag match with the team of Aramis, Commander, and Ray Horace going against Ares, Black, Tarus, and Latigo. And yeah, I just expected a bunch of craziness. And I was so glad to see Commander back, as we kind of talked about during the ladder match. He seemed like he kind of got a little uh, dinged up uh, with the head. And um, I was just happy to see him back in the ring, because like, I didn't know if his status would be up in the air or not after seeing what, uh, how he w- was moving and acting during the ladder match at Joey Janela's spring break. But this match was... This, this one felt like a GCW scramble match in LA. Like, mm-hmm. just throwing, like, a normal card. Not saying it was, like, a normal match. It was crazy good, but this one felt like something I've seen before. A lot of familiarity in this match, and uh, everyone. Arez and Commander. Like, I, I can't praise these two enough. Arez, especially for me. Like, I'm starting to become a huge Arez fan. I love uh-huh. everything he does. He's just amazing. Commander's just adding to his incredible moveset and having crazy matches. I finally actually just the other day went back and saw the... Commander versus Vikingo match at Ring of Honor. Oh, uh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Wow, but now it makes me way more excited to see it next weekend in GCW because uh, I think it's in Atlanta. I can't believe I can't remember where it was, but we're seeing Commander versus Vikingo in GCW, and I just can't wait to see. With this is one of those ones. Okay, I got to see the traditional Ring of Honor rules being followed in GCW. Mm-hmm. I don't want any rules for Vikingo Commander. I want them up on the wherever they're at. I want them. Flying high and jumping off stuff and doing yeah. crazy shit all over the arena because that was an incredible match they had. You want the bumpers off of the bowling match, is what you're saying. Yeah. You don't want, yeah, you want the kid, you want the training wheels off. 
Yes, I and, okay, the, and yeah. the GCW style for Commander Vikingo. Yes, that's one match I don't want any rules being followed. I just want to see incredible <laughs> moves that those two can do because that match in Ring of Honor was great. But uh, yeah, this was a fun, fun, fun six man tag match. So I've seen both teams come out. They look great. I really do love both of these teams. There's not a single performer on either side that I wouldn't take as a singles wrestler at one time or another to put on a fantastic match. Commander, I think it was Nick Knowledge that said he's the man that gravity forgot. And I know that's kind of an older statement, but I like that he kind I'm about of say, yeah, I haven't heard that statement forever. Then I was like, yeah, wait, did they change the classic. it? Yeah, that's good. It may have been changed to touch, but I'm not sure. I can't even remember who they originally said that about. Some an old, old 80s WWF, right? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out sometime. Put in Google the the uh, the man that gravity forgot wrestler, and you may find something. You may not. So the match starts with Ares, Taurus, and Latigo on the outside, and Tope start flying from everyone. Commander with a huge high spot in the first 15 seconds of the freaking match. It was interesting seeing Latigo and Toxine split up into two different matches in this show, but I'm guessing it's because they may team together in the scramble or in this tag team, so they tried to not let them be together. I'm unsure. Horace was on fire for a while, beating up on the entire other team. Black Taurus is very quick and agile given his size. I can't stress it enough. I like the look. I like seeing him in GCW. I'd like to see him more in GCW. Have him as a strongman Mercer style would be absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen Aramis in quite a while in a GCW ring, and it's really nice to see him back. He really was, though, on a lot of, like the receiving end of an entire team of RS, Taurus, and Latigo for like 45 seconds to him, and he got the shit kicked out of him. All three men from, um, let's, let, me, let me think about the best way to put this, basically. RS, Black Taurus, and Latigo. We're tearing apart each team member, team member individually for multiple minutes between Aramis, Commander, and Ray Horace. There was a lot of chewing up of time. The bad guys in this match honestly had better teamwork, but after a nasty beatdown, it took until about minute nine for the good guys to take over. The bad guys in this one really did have a chance to breathe, which was nice. There was a lot of suspense build up there. Minute 11, Latigo's impressing me more and more. I really like what he's doing out there. RS was in his usual form, awkward motions and unique move sets. Minute 12, actions picks up and everyone is hitting their moves. Minute 13, and everyone is laying down in the ring. Everyone is exhausted. The fans are, cha- the fans are chanting, this is Lucha. Everybody was just so damn happy. So here's how this thing finished. Commander, Aramis, and Horus, they get set up. Aramis and Horus hit topes on Taurus and Latigo. And then as that just happens, then Commander hits the Skywalker. And our winners in this one were Aramis, Commander, and Ray Horace. I was so freaking happy in this match. And like I said, after watching Emo and reviewing Emo, this was so fucking refreshing. Yeah, I, I kind of go back off your Black Taurus point there. I think he's yeah. a great base like uh, Gringo Loco. He's the perfect person to have in these scrambles because of his strength. And he always got, like the one I remember, like Bandito tried doing, like his uh kind of Fosbury flop in one of these shows, I forgot which card and bend or literally uh Tarus caught him like with his head two inches above the ground, <laughs> or else he was going to be spiked Ooh. right on his neck. Ooh. And I was like, wow, Tarus with the save there because it was ad ah, disaster written all over it. And I agree with you. I want to see more Black Tarus and all these uh, Lucha scrambles because whenever he's on there in these matches for the scrambles, it's been or. Not even scrambles, just the lucha kind of style matches. It's, he's been incredible, and 
I yeah, that's one name I don't say often enough, but I'd want to make sure I say it now. Yes, we want to see Black Taurus more in uh, GCW. The man who gravity forgot was Pac, old Adrian Neville. No shit, really? Yeah. So we're talking like 2000s WWE. No, we're talking 2010s. about like, yeah, we're talking about like recently in the last like yeah, tw- uh, like mid mid to 2010s. Um, I was actually going to- wow. towards Ricochet there, but I loved how they made that callback because yeah, that's one definitely Commander has overtaken that role. I think this is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, 14 minutes too. They actually let them fucking do their thing. It wasn't like bullshit. You know how lucha matches can sometimes be quick. There wasn't a quick match in any of these here. Average at the lowest. Yeah, I, th- I think it, wow. as you said, though, it gave it, especially for the heels, to kind of give it space to breathe and soak in the heat while also getting the crowd behind the faces. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, I love this match. And I'm, I'm watching it back right now. And Commander is so crazy when he does like his Phoenix. He did that top rope Phoenix Hurricane Rana. Like he's insane, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. He's just, if we could only sign him oh my god yeah right if him and vikinga that's like that's those two now are just incredible they, i think they're wrestling for defy as well i think they got announced for a match in defy really? so i would love to see these two kind of be like life as we kind of talk about like life uh or career long um enemies i think those two would be great. Mm. like then we got the rock and triple h guerrero guerrero and, and ray Mysterio. yeah Ooh, i think yeah. that would be incredible not just series of matches, but a career-long feud because I those two are just incredible. That will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening as Los Macisos go against La Familia de Tijuana of Bestia666 and Damien666. If I mess up these names, I apologize. My Cuban, uh, my Cuban family's rolling their eyes at me right now. <laughs> but You do well. You do well. I try. I got triple A. Oh, that's easier to say than... Yeah, you ones. do. I, I still fuck that <laughs> up. I do, I do the white boy thing. I'm like, triple I. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said I was really looking forward to this match because it's the first time seeing uh, La Familia de Tijuana, and it was fun. It was nice to see Damien666. He's everything i kind of seen from uh, clips, and oh, I've seen him on AAA a couple times as well. Um, I, I enjoyed yeah, actually get to see him in person, and this was a fun match. Macisos doesn't matter. They just have entertaining matchups, and this was definitely another one of them and i was kind of glad to see them wrestle against the kind of the lucha legends from uh triple a okay so i'll go ahead and explain it to people who aren't familiar la familia is truly a family for those who don't know damian 666 is in my mind if not i didn't look a true hall of famer or if not he should be abicia his son has a fantastic look to him as far as the wrestling goes it looks like he's got a bright future Again, the look is already there. He's got the pedigree. It's, you know, background. Everything is fantastic. My dudes, Los Macisos are out. Happy to still see them running with GCW right now. I thought they'd be taking a break from GCW for a while after that, um, after that loss of the belt. Then I found out it was more about dates not lining up. So anytime we see Los Macisos to me is a bonus. Because to me, I almost had them gone going and seeing family maybe back home. I wasn't really sure. The uh, match goes outside minute two and chairs are flying everywhere. Doors are out early. The split screen is on. I will say thank you to the GPW crew for their work around the ring during the collective weekend. They did one hell of a job. 
Nick has been having fun all night on the mic. That's like the 19th time I said it, but it was just good. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you wanted someone to like, this would be a resume builder for him. He would go back on this night and be like, listen to me on this night because it was fantastic. Familia with double topes, which is really fantastic. Given that Damien is 61 years old. Uh, Damien was also uh, cracking people with kendo sticks. And then he was walking, walking the ropes. He also crawled under a door mid-match. He um, missed Bicia at minute 11, blinding him. Like, Damien was fucking busy, much more than I expected. Minute 12, Damien was put through a door by Los Macisos, and that was how it ended. We had a 12-minute match, and our winners again, Los Macisos. So, to me, I think it's just always a fortunate thing to see Damien in this part of his career. He's still moving. He's still agile. This thing ended with a show of respect by all men, and I really do feel... I mean, they're around my age. I'm sure it was an honor to be in the ring with him. Literally everything you just said at the end was my, I, my exact thoughts on the whole situation. It's nice yeah. seeing Damien still moving at 61, walking the ropes too, even. Um, yeah. And I felt kind of, I felt happy for Los Macis. So I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think I remember one of them saying like when this match was first announced, how they always wanted to work with it, uh, work with, uh, um, Damien, and now they finally get to, and I, I, you can tell at the end too, and like they bent down and like kind of, yeah, like, absolutely went on a knee, bend a knee to show their respect to them. I, I was happy to see Los Macisos get that moment. Like I'm just happy to see Los Macisos in a ring and happy as can be, and they're always like that every single match. It doesn't matter what's going on; they're just having the time of their lives. And uh, yeah, I had the same feeling. Though my big takeaway was finally getting to see Damien six 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 and Los Macisos happy to go against them and i i thought it was incredible i agree with everything you said too on um uh the sun um bestia yeah bestia uh, i i great look i definitely like i and he was great in the ring too i definitely could see a future for him because i don't know how young he is or how old but he looked he looked pretty good out there and i i think he fits yeah. right in wherever there was wherever wrestling goes he's in there like he's definitely belongs the face paint he has is so on point the hair the outfit, the fact that he can actually do the fucking moves in the ring is really a big bonus. Yeah, he's he's got a good future ahead of him. I'm hoping to see him outside of Mexico more often. I can't wait to see where he lands because with the right lighting, the right music, the proper presentation and money behind him, I think they have a star on their hands. If not in Mexico, beyond. That will lead us into our fourth matchup of the evening. Sorry, fifth Ooh. matchup of the evening. Sorry. Uh, son of a bitch. Sorry, it's sorry. All that drinking. <laughs> Lay off the booze. You're not even drinking tonight, are you? You're I drinking like Mountain Dew or something, huh? Sprites tonight, too. Sprite? Oh, yeah. Sprite night. Oh, it's lean. It's lean for your boy. Yes. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, next matchup. Matchup number five is Tony Deppin against Negro Casas. And nice to see Negro, like, still moving. And I, I used to watch Still booming, yeah. I remember as a little, like, as a little kid, I used to actually watch some of these stuff uh, with my with my uh, Cuban grandpa whenever I did, there was wrestling. I didn't know who the hell any of these people were as a kid, but I'm like, hey, I like huh. him. And then, like, I, I remember him just saying the word Negro Casas sticks out in my mind, and I'm seeing him this age, I, I felt, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen him, but seeing him come out with the gray hair <laughs> made him feel a lot older than, uh, what he looked like, but he was in incredible shape, man. He was right. ready to go and Lucha, or sorry, <laughs> Tony Depp, I got your Lucha Depp in there. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, Tony Deppin was absolutely up to his uh, asshole tactics, and when he knocked the drink out of that one guy's hand, that guy was would not let Tony stop hearing about it the entire match. He was like nonstop in his ear, and I don't know if it catches <laughs> it, but every time Tony came out, I had my hat down. I was like, my hat is not getting tossed away. And I think you can see it a little bit on this one, but I was like, oh shit, yep, he's got a new target this time. He, I, I'm going to put my hat back on. <laughs> but that's fantastic. Yeah, this was a fun match. Like I said, I was kind of, I was real happy seeing Negro Casas in person. Um, kind of wish my grandpa was still here so I could be able to show him and tell him because like hey, he would have a smile on his face too because he didn't really watch wrestling, but he knew of Negro Casas when I was little and uh, not trying to tell me about him, but was kind of telling me like why he's good and stuff like that. And Tony Deppin, I think this was a pretty big match for him wrestling against this legend and. I think it was a perfect, the crowd was really behind Negro, Negro Casas, obviously, but oh yeah, whoever brings like that, I don't know if it's the spinning thing that makes the noise or whatever, but I love yeah. that. I love that LA has that and AC has the blow horn and uh, yeah, this was a, a fun match. The blow, the blow horn. I liked, I liked that because certain times, like I know it does get annoying a little bit, but I think the last show in AC, whoever had it, kind of found a good place and had very good timing using it, like especially like um they're at the end of like rena and casey's match you just hear the horn going off i think even when Ke- uh, when rena won the belt from alex cologne you could hear the horn in the background because they're so happy that rena finally won the ultra violent championship <laughs> so you want to talk about the old negro casas for a minute here and we'll, um, uh, you know talk about what he has i'm ready going to learn on. all right so i think let me go on. okay yeah well yeah just sit back and relax it's going to be a lot easier there's a lot of numbers going on here i'll sit so, right Oh, exactly. You you just lean back. So the uh, you, he had he's held the uh, UWA World Middleweight Middleweight Championship for seven hundred and eighty seven days total. The UWA World Lightweight Championship for three hundred and one days. The NWA World Welterweight Championship for two hundred forty six days. The NWA World Historic Welterweight Championship four hundred and seventy five days. The Mexican National Trios Champion, 432 days. The IWRG Intercontinental Trios Champion, 203 days. The IWRG Intercontinental Middleweight Champion, 1,643 days total. The CMLL World Welterweight Champion, 536 days. CMLL World Trios Champion, 166. CMLL World Tag Team Championship, six times, 2,105 days and counting. CMLL World Middleweight Champion, two times, 942 days. Ladies and gentlemen, if those were lined up back to back with no overlap whatsoever, that's being a champion in your life for 7,846 days for a total of 21 and a half years of your wrestling career. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that's, uh, almost as impressive as I think. was the last one? Last one you did? I forgot. Uh, not the Motor City Machine Guns, but you get out lots of good stats are this cult collector, so they're all kind of uh, running along. But that one was oh Nick Gage. That's what it was. Nick Gage's. Uh, yeah, career. we ran down Gage, yeah. and we ran down someone else. I just can't remember who. I think uh, it was the Motor City Machine shit. Guns. I could be wrong though. Yeah, we we did run over the Motor City for sure. We we did those. Oh well. No, who that's knows? good to hear. Like, all the it's numbers so crazy. Yeah, that too. It's so crazy hearing all the different belts and stuff like nwa you said the welterweight i think championship or cruiserweight and i was like i didn't even know they had one yeah 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 dude it's all over the place it was just really insane i just i wanted to kind of catch up everyone like myself who appreciates what he's done but don't know what exactly he did 
We just know he's been around the world, done it, and anyone who has a chance to see him respects him and loves it. So I have to do the same thing. Now I know a lot more, and 21 and a half years of being a champion is just, yeah, that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of trust in promoters saying, will you please help carry the torch for my company? Fantastic. So yeah, Tony Deppen came out first. We had Lucha Deppen. I was a little like, what? But again, it's Negro Casas, and I think Tony Deppen is a good pair of hands. Was it announced Tony Deppen on commentary? Uh, oh, sorry, Lucha am... Deppen? No? no, no, no. That was just what I called it. Oh, okay, like, okay, okay. Lucha, Lucha Deppen tonight? Like, what's that going <laughs> to look like? So, um, yeah, Negro Casas, though, has also wrestled across six different decades. He is a living legend. And like I said, he's in good hands with Tony. But, of course, once the match started... Tony was being a dirty bastard like he always did. He was biting fingers, giving the middle finger, just being disrespectful to Mr. Casas. But um, Casas did have Tony in a straight jacket at one point, and he made it look really easy. Old-fashioned move, and he did it so damn well. Minute six, both men were trading strikes back and forth. It really was, in my feeling, an old-fashioned wrestling match. This was the pace of Negro Casas, and um, it was storytelling. That's what I kind of like about these things. You know, there's a strike. Someone shows that it hurt them. They kind of play it up a little bit, and then something happens from there. They're digestible chunks. I think that's the best way to put it. When you see older people wrestle, they give it to you in digestible chunks, and it's more easy for you to understand the struggle. Also, without the, the, um, the look of struggle, there is none. So it's nice to see old-fashioned matches because it's nice to watch two men struggle, not get punched in the face, and just keep running. You know, not always how fights works. That's kind of old fashioned by me, but you know, what you thinking? No, that's kind of reminds me of the pacing of uh, action Mike Jackson's matches. Like they kind of how he'll do his two pace, uh, two pace, toe pace at the beginning, and then kind of slow down a little bit, and then save the energy to do the rope climbing and walking. Mm-hmm. And like it, it, I think it's smart, obviously, for obviously as we age to kind of pick your spots of when to go crazy and when not to. And yeah, I think this was a perfect opponent for Negro Casas, as Tony Deppin's still going to get as much. Heel heat as possible while still working the slow pace matchup with his theatrics in the ring. So as the match continued to go on, Tony was continuing to mock Casas. Casas eventually answered back with this huge big boot to the face. If anybody watches, that's kind of one of the things he really likes to do. Minute 10, Deppin is flipping off Casas again, and he's pulling birds out of his chunks or out of his trunks. We all kind of know what's going on there. Casas then got sick of that shit. It's hilarious. Straight into a La Casita for three. So our winner in this one was Negro Casas. Again, it was an honor to see him wrestle. And at the end here, Casas grabs a mic. He says, Viva Mexico, which makes the crowd just go crazy. He's uh, as he's speaking, I was laughing because Tony was stuffing all the money in his trunks that was showering the ring. And um, that was just comical. Casas said he's thankful for Tony Deppin. They show respect for each other. There's Negro chants throughout the crowd. Huge show of respect from everyone. It was uh, everything I expected and then some. I'm really happy to see this man go out there and do his thing. And he made it look good, and Tony made it look good also. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say, too. I think Tony uh, did a great job here of helping ne- uh, Negro Casas uh, look probably better than what at the age of 61, or no, uh 61 was Damien. Um, uh, yeah, I cannot remember how old I could look that up, but uh, well, anyway, the old age 60 like, odd, yeah, 60 odd. 
But Tony Deppin still being able to uh, have that great match, not great, but entertaining match, uh, and still tell a funny story throughout the entire time, I think was awesome of him. And I love that spot at the end, too, to, uh, Tony Deppin hiding the money in his pants, because like, we were watching it, too. <laughs> and even then, he still had a bunch more in there. It was, it was pretty funny watching that and his facial reactions. Um, one little mini story I want to say on this one, because I didn't know about this, obviously, because I wasn't in there, but the, those people I met at... or was hanging out with at the collective behind them they were telling me after the show was a guy that came from mexico i believe they said uh oh, that's to awesome. see negro casas and he was like i think he was wearing like a negro casas shirt and you could actually see him like in the back like i i uh watching this i could kind of see the old man at the beginning like you could like, he's like an older gentleman um yeah you could tell like he was actually brought to tears to finally to see negro casas wrestle oh. and like it, that just kind of goes along with everything we saw i saw at the collective was uh, wow a lot really? of a lot of great conversations and lifetime moments and people just crying tears of joy and finally being able to meet someone that inspired them to uh either to wrestle or to enjoy wrestling or really like when we talk about epi's big gay brunch like it gave them a safe spot to kind of come out and feel wanted in their their community um i i just that was one of those heartwarming stories it was pretty cool kind of seeing that because they were saying that he was like in tears and just in spanish <laughs> sorry in spanish yeah. i think it was telling his grandson or nephew i forgot what they said uh how much he loved negro casas as a kid and to see him wow. was awesome so yeah this is another thing great uh memory from the the collective we- uh weekend okay so i've never done this before but for the old man who lost his shit for actually like getting real feelings a little drink for you bud oh that, mm-hmm. that's the lean huh fantastic dude hey, that's what's the that? lean huh no, oh, oh, shit, I got caught. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on that. Uh, I'm on that great value Walmart drinking. Right <laughs> um, gosh, that's a great story. That's what I love to hear. I mean, that really I, is. I saw that every every show. There was somebody there, like especially at the meet and greets afterwards and before. Like you tell, a lot of people are moved to be at the collective, whatever their reason for to come to get together as a collective group. I hate to say that it of wrestling fans that make them feel welcome like to express those emotions that's something you don't get often wow. in life any or in anything but i'm glad gcw and the fans kind of encourage that and take uh take reception of that very well because that was it was pretty cool seeing an older gentlemen like i said like in tears uh enjoying the <laughs> enjoying watching a legend i'm blown away how cool yeah it was cool man. how cool i couldn't imagine feeling that much emotion how awesome good yeah. for him that was good. It was a good scene. Negro Casa, as you said, I, I enjoyed seeing him too as a person. And uh, I kind of don't have the same sentiment, but it would have been cool to kind of show my grandpa uh, I got to see Negro Casas in person, take a picture with him. He would have loved to hear that. Hey, you never know. Maybe he was there chilling. Right. <laughs> you never know, man. You get to see him live. Yes. Uh, hard to pass up. <laughs> uh, for our sixth matchup of the evening, and I guess I missed this. I know you mentioned it earlier, but the first of our uh main events of the night as it is a false count anywhere match between gringo loco psycho clown match two of their rivalry in gcw and if it had had a lot of shoes to fill after the first one first one is one of those memorable moments just for gringo Loco in his banger. career yeah and um with not really a build-up to it we didn't see psycho clan at all and any of that stuff i was really interested in how the crowd would react and everything but 
as you said before, Psycho Clown's just special. He gets over with the adults, with the kids, no matter what. He's always had it. And I, he even brought his kid out, and I thought that was pretty cool. But I also, yeah. I also loved Gringo Loco's reaction to having the kid out there. Yes. And he was like, get the fucking kid out there, like yelling at him. The kid's like in the corner, like, what? Kind of look on his face. And um, I love seeing the full-on heel Gringo. Um I, I know it's going to happen. I know uh, there's not really a spot this happens, but there there was a planned spot Gringo really wanted to do during this match that they did not allow, and I don't know the reason okay. why. But if you notice during this match, Brett was outside ringside. The ring. He was ringside. Yeah, I, this I noticed match. that. I thought that was crowd control. What's going on? When that happens, you know they're about to do some crazy shit that he wants to make sure that he's out there so that way if anything goes down, he can block Witness. It. Yes, because he's been out there for some of these death matches. I know that get kind of crazy during the death match tournament seasons. Um, the one that sticks out to me is the Jordan Atticus match. He's out there uh, making sure when they lit the fire with lit the table on fire and all the broken glass and everything, he was out there uh and making sure everything's okay, but I know they rest. It was like near the beginning of the match, they went to the outside and right where I was at. So, this is why I was able to hear this kind of quick conversation happen. And I don't know if it, it was, it was actually kind of loud, so they might have caught it even on camera. But they were going to like that aisle way where I'm at in the corner, uh, near where they the the ramp entrances up to the bar right there, and they were wanted to go deeper into it. But there were so many people there. I hear Brett saying, no, Gringo, can't do it. Too many people. Don't do it. And Gringo's like <laughs> like fighting, like, come on, like we can do it. And Brett's like, no, we're not doing it. And like, that was the end of the conversation. But once again, I really wonder what was up Gringo Loco's sleeve in that spot that where, where they couldn't even perform it. Because, I mean, I've seen them jump off ladders and jump off the top balcony right there. Not balcony, but where they have the projector up top. In that area, so I wonder if it really was because there's because I mean it was obviously a lot of people there for the collective more than a normal GCW show, so maybe it was just a lot of people. But I wonder what they really had planned for that spot. I, I had no idea. No, I had no idea. You, this is why you're on the ground level live. Yeah, I was like, I was like watching it all happen to me in front of me. Like Brett's like talking to Gringo. Gringo's like. Come on, let me do it. And Brett's like, too many people, too many people. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, I wonder cool, what that was. Cool about. little behind the scenes thing for me. So, you're absolutely right. This was the first of our double main event. I love the second main event, but this one was a big one for me because, like I said, I'm, I'm a huge Psycho Clown fan. I really do want to see Gringo Local walking around with more gold on his waist at some point. But, yeah, I, um, Psycho Clown is such a curveball. I did like that he was with the kid. You're right. It was his son, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his son because I remember Gringo Loco. And like this is now uh, almost two weeks out from this event. But I remember Gringo Loco pointing at the thing. I think he said, get your fucking kid out of here. So I'm assuming that's <laughs> Okay, okay. But he was playing heel totally. But you could tell the son was kind of like taken aback and like kind of like, <laughs> what did he just say to me? Like, dad, help out. Well, either way, it's a cute kid. He was able to have a great memory. But you're right. Gringo tried to kick him from the ring. Gringo is fully healed. It was very obvious from that point forward. So the first 30 seconds and uh, first 30 seconds of both men has eaten chair shots to the head. It really did get that crazy right off the bat. Psycho is fucking crazy. He had an amazing tope through the ring uh, post corner of the ropes. The camera got a beer wash from Psycho Clown by accident at one point. 
It took four minutes for the match to actually get into the ring. It just was that crazy. Five minutes into the match before Gringo was able to take over and get in his offense. Heel Gringo is going after the mask of Psycho. A lot of heavy booze. Gringo gives Psycho a heavy chair shot that bloodies him on the forehead. You can see Gringo then biting his forehead and ripping into his mask. That uh, that ended up being uh, getting the fans pissed off, and they ended up with Gringo Puto Chance. Also, Chance to uh, go fuck his mother would be the nicest way to put it. The door comes out at minute 10. You're laughing because I know you heard that shit live. It's funny, right? Yes, the, the crowd chants were <laughs> awesome. And now that I kind of know what that one means, I think I asked you before what it means. And uh, I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. I think I remember yeah. I asked you at the last LA show, like, what were they saying? Like, you didn't really know. But uh, I did find out what what they were saying. And right now, of course, as I'm talking about it, I forgot what it was. But it means like asshole, like just in Spanish. But I was like, I never right. heard that word for asshole. But now I at least know what they're chanting at them. And why and what it means <laughs> so, so uh doors come out at minute 10 gringo's cutting into psycho with scissors psycho picks him up and drove him into a door then hits him multiple times with a chair psycho was not happy i don't know why he smacked the shit out of him with that chair psycho then up to a split leg moonsault most of this match so far had been gringo getting punishment gringo even got alabama slammed onto a chair i like to say alabama slamma it's always been a fun one to say Psycho with the tornilla tope onto Gringo. Gringo busted open. Psycho cuts him with scissors. Now Gringo is busted open hard. No shit, it was a lot. I think they actually called this match early, maybe because of the blood. If you have a chance, keep watching that match. Gringo goes up on a huge ladder and completely misses with the Centon Atomico. In my opinion, this is up there with the first matchup, but that's what I said at about minute 15. Gringo laid on the door bridge. Psycho goes up to the top of the ladder. Psycho jumps and Gringo puts up his knees, which looked pretty fucking painful. Gringo has his head sort of wrapped up to stop the bleeding so he can finish the match. It looks pretty nasty. Minute 18 and Psycho is pulling out all kinds of fuckery. A few cinder blocks, doors, anything he could find was coming out from under that ring and onto the mat. Psycho was setting up a door bridge. This never ends well. Gringo sets the cinder blocks on Psycho and goes to the top. Psycho gets up and beats Gringo with a belt. Psycho spreads out thumbtacks on top of the cinder blocks. Psycho then hits a Spanish fly through all of that. Gringo wraps up Psycho for a quick win, and Gringo is bleeding hard. That leaves our winner here in this one, Gringo Loco. And like I said, I'm going to kind of say... I think it was stopped early because the bleeding at one point got really bad. After they did that last high spot, you can see it. It, it was a different kind of match after that. But after it was done, a few of the fans booed because of the semi-abrupt ending. But this, this ending was necessary. And from a performer's perspective, they gave all they had. And they had to cut it just like a, a touch early because of injuries. But... You can also see that Psycho had major abdominal issues of some type. I don't know if he landed on one of the cinder blocks or what, but he needed help leaving the ring. So I'm guessing at the minimum, Gringo needed glue, but money was showering after this one too. Yeah, that blood spatter when uh, Gringo got busted open, it was like all right by me. I was like, holy shit. Like Gringo was, yeah. And eh, uh, I'll keep that to myself. I'll tell you afterwards what I was going to say because I don't want to, I don't want to. He was deep. He I, was cut deep. Yeah, I don't want to go. Yeah. Uh, into the baseball to inside baseball there but uh i think there's a reason why the cut <laughs> the cut was too deep but it was it was pretty bad and i agree i think i'm right there with you with psycho i think i remember as he was being helped out like it was like a legit like he was really hurt they, uh with that yeah. cinder block because 
I, when he when they brought out the cinder blocks, I was like, "What the hell?" And actually, I think the spot that I said they were going to plan was at the end. I see, I kind of fast forwarded to the end, and I see Brett outside then. So maybe it was at the spot, end, and maybe that has something to do with kind of the the ending as well, because um, they had something planned, and maybe they did have to call an audible and end it early. But I I I didn't hear the booze to be honest with you, but. I don't know why people would boo. That was 20 th- 23 minutes exactly. of freaking violence. And like, was that not enough? Is 26 going to really make it that much better? Like, uh-huh. I mean, I kind of complain between 10 and 15 minutes. That's a little, that's like another half a match you're missing. But exactly. you've gotten 23 minutes of this violence. Like, I don't understand. You've why had enough ended. to chew on. I, I thought that was it. Like, it, I thought the ending was perfect of how it should I be. Think like, so too. if a grown ass man gets thrown on the cinder blocks like that, yeah, you're done. And, um, yeah, I, I did remember seeing though Gringo holding his like side. Like I think they said like like watch like internal bleeding or something like that. I was watching the ref's mouth and where they were kind of helping him out and something like that because they were like being very careful moving him um, uh, out uh, of there. But this was yeah. Um, check check out after he uh, after he takes that win on uh, on the uh, video there. Okay, you're gonna see they boo. I'm like, what in the hell are you booing for? Or maybe it was just a small handful of loud people that were just being, but I was just like, how can you boo that? These guys put themselves out there hard. Like that was a great match. Yeah. That was, it lived up to number one, if not more violent because of the bricks and all the other fuckery that they decided. And this is the gringo. I know he probably can't do these kind of matches all the time, but whenever he's able to do these kind of, I, this is the gringo local. I love like the, he's the old, like, I think he went during this whole, feud started a year ago he was saying like this is like why do you think they fucking called me gringo loco motherfucker i'm psycho and you're gonna see why i got that name you haven't seen much of it in gcw but you're gonna see why i was like the he didn't say deathmatch but i was like a pretty hardcore wrestler out in mexico and i love this version of gringo loco i love the cockiness i I love the heel work it works so good with it with him and i i love this match this was fun i I would say probably better than the first one. I'm kind of maybe going off recency bias. Maybe I should go back and watch the other one because the other one was fantastic as well. But yes, this one was top of the line for me. I'm trying to see that the ending spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was going to say, check it out. Audio it just for, you know, obviously you can't do it. For yeah. Me. I'll do the audio but later. Yeah. Check it out though. You're going to be like, why in the fuck are they bowling? Yeah. I, I, when you said that, I was like, what? There was booze. Cause I don't remember, but it's also been a long time. And, Anything off those bricks, though, that's that's it. Like, what can you do to top that? I think we said before where Brett, I saw Brett out during the Los Macisos and uh, whatever those two, uh, I forget the tag team. We've seen them one time, the space people. And, like, they did, like, a crazy move through two tables. And then mm-hmm. they two count, and Brett's like, what? Why? Why Why are you doing more? End it there. And then they did, like, some other move that was nowhere near the impact and got yep. the finish then. And... I I remember that. Yeah, and so after landing on bricks, like where are you gonna go from the there that tops what <laughs> that tops I, landing on bricks from the top rope of Spanish fly through tax and through a door? Like that's it. There's no more. And I was I'm happy with the ending. Like I didn't notice anything really too uh like weird about it other than the injury to Psycho Loco. I think he really did mess up his somewhere on the insides is because i remember when they were taking him out they were like be careful like i think someone said yeah. like bleeding yeah. watch the bleeding and pointed to his stomach area and uh hope all yeah. hope all yeah. is well and yeah they did throw up the x here too i see them throwing up the x here trying to roll oh, him out one? carefully uh perch actually threw up the x on 
psycho clown as they're taking him out. Okay. So. Okay. So when they hit the bricks, you're going to see psycho kind of roll over side and you're going to see his arm like, ah, like that towards the referee. I thought he fucked his arm. And see, yeah, that's what everyone thought too. I went to the side, to the internal injury because I saw him kind of holding it. And like one of the referees, I don't remember which of the three that was just there, but was pointing like, Hey, be careful. Like it's his insides. Wow. So I could be completely wow. wrong too. Maybe there was something lost in translation from this. Cause this was on the opposite side of the ring where I was. Um, but yeah, that was an incredible match. Huh. This Gringo, the world on Lucha, Gringo absolutely killed it there. And uh, I want to see this kind of this side of Gringo a lot more often. And it was nice to see Psycho Clown back in the ring as well. And that will lead us to our main event as El Hijo del Vikingo goes against Laredo Kid. And anytime I'm get to see Vikingo now, Vikingo's up there, man. He's To me, he's must-see. Like, literally any other match in... I hate to say, even in any other company now, I go and watch him because I, he just can't miss to me. And he's an instant yes. Oh my God. You yes. see him on a card, he's an instant yes. And when you see his name, your mind starts wondering about what the fuck he's going to do with whoever's on the other side of that versus. Yeah. That's why I'm like, what, what kind of cool shit can he do? And like, I was like, okay, Loretto Kid, more on the, the smaller side, Rustin. So I thought maybe we see a lot more strength from Vikingo. We did see a little bit more power moves. <laughs> Uh, from him in this match as well. And uh, we get to, kind of, as you said, get to see a different kind of version of Vikingo going against Laredo Kid because we've really seen him against Blake Christian, Joey Janela. Um, I forgot who the third one was in GCW that he just wrestled. Oh my God, Speedball. <laughs> I forgot who the third one was. It just happened. Um, and those are three different competitors, three different kind of styles. And this one was awesome. Again, Laredo Kid, too. I'm, I am a fan of his, uh, but. I got to see kind of more out of Laredo Kid in this match too than I've kind of seen in the past, and I enjoyed this living shit out of this match. Vikingo, the end, the end, the collective for me. I'm in. Okay, so speculation just for a second there. Do you think that Vikingo could get the GCW belt slapped on him when he goes back to AAA for a while to get that national TV exposure? Because GCW is going over like crazy with the Spanish market, bro. They didn't think about Crazy. that. That would be super freaking smart. Yeah, to get him wearing that belt if they allow him to wear the other belt. I don't know how how AAA right. is with uh, wearing other companies' belts on their programming. That would be super cool to see. Kind of like Vikingo have like a bunch of belts, like kind of like the belt collector gimmick on top of everything to show why he's one of the most talked about wrestlers in the world right now. I I would be honest with you. I didn't know how long his stay with GCW would last. And now knowing mm -hmm. it's been shit, this would be now four months because his first show was in December. So four months, I thought if he was staying that long, he would already have the belt on him somehow, some way in a match with Nick Gage. Like I really thought that was going to happen, but I didn't know how long or how many commitments and dates that Vikingo wanted to work with GCW or could work. So I thought maybe, hey, if it's only one or two times, they might not do it. They might just put on some crazy special matches. But he's going to be here for a couple months, as you said, just for, well, I didn't even think about that, but just to kind of have him be your world champion and bring just the media, not even what's on AAA, but just in America, having Vikingo as a GCW title. And that, like, oh, that crazy guy that does all the flips is their champion? What kind of matches they got? That would bring new fans to the GCW product. Um, I didn't even think about the, as you said, the loyal... Uh, Latino Latino uh Latino fans being turned on to GCW through AAA. So I think yep. if he's gonna still keep on working, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens sometime soon. 
yeah, send Blake Christian down to AAA. Let him have a couple matches down there. They're going to be like, who's this GCW crowd? But uh, yeah, then put Los Macisos down there. Slap some tag belts on Los Macisos. That would look good on them too. That's a company I don't know if I've ever seen Los Macisos wrestle for. I think they would well, be They could be the outsider style. Truth, outlaws, yeah. There. Very possible. I'm not sure, but they started their own company, so they may not need to be employees or contractors elsewhere. That would be kind of cool. Never know. Bring back the LWO except GCW version invading in AAA. WWE was kind of hinting at that not too long ago. They they have they got it. It's full on. They got the gear out and everything on Rey Mysterio and uh Legato De Fantasma or however you, I forgot how you say his name, but Santos Escobar's group uh is with Latino World Order in uh WWE. I think that's cool though to bring it back that that yep. uh faction. And um I'm hoping it does better than it did last time when it was in WCW. It wasn't around really long. It didn't do super, super well. But given the situation now, there's a higher population than there was demographic 20 years ago. I think it's going to be better. I think it'll go over more. And the WWE machine, the WWE machine, sorry, I think is able to handle the hype better than wcw did so i think if anybody's going to take it further between the two companies wwe will be able to take that lwo a lot further and get more out of it one thing i just wanted to mention too on vikingo before uh, we go into this match mm-hmm. his smile is so contagious man he had a, he had a crazy bang of a match on the ring of honor uh i think just a regular ring of honor tv show against blake christian and they both they both did like a spanish fly or no it looked like Blake was trying to hit a Spanish fly off the top rope. They both kind of did a backflip off the top rope and landed on the, their feet. And they kind of just had like an oh shit moment. And the crowd was going nuts. And they just looked at each other. And Vikingo just had the <laughs> biggest smile. Like, no, 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 Blake. You ain't catching me with that Spanish fly. And then like Blake just knocked the shit out of him. I just love Vikingo's smile, man. It's just so contagious. He's enjoying it. It's, I'm glad. I'm glad that the business hasn't beat the fun out of him. Because he's done some incredible shit where... He could just wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm done with doing all these flips and shit. Like, I'm risking my life out here. And I'm just so happy to see him being happy and enjoying what he's doing and getting over with the uh, American crowd more than he was, obviously, in AAA. And that's been awesome. And I, I hope his independent run lasts a long time still, especially for GCW. Dude, he's going to be like Barry Sanders, where he's going to quit. Like, if he quit earlier, then, you know, his career maybe could have his career 20 30 years from now would be like that enigma they talk about like what if oh there was this guy named vikingo he was way ahead of his time back then so on so well you know he went ahead and he was done and he quit and yeah there's um i i i stand by if there's anything i'll say about him i think he's making a true run at being the greatest wrestler in the world i think that's what he's trying to do and i'm glad i'm able to see him now what three different matches in person and Jeez. yeah this will be my first Oh, the Vegas one? I'm going to go to, I'm going to know. Oh, that's right. He's in Vegas. Vegas So Vegas and then LA. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Like he, he's incredible. And anytime I get to see him now, like I said, he's one of these ones. I will go out of my way. If he's matched up against a decent wrestler that I know, I just want to see what kind of crazy shit and different shit that we'll do with that wrestler. Because I, I, he's one of my favorites. And he was like, it was what I just said. It was one of those ones. I saw two gifts. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I like him. And then I actually saw him have yeah. a match, and I was like, okay, he gets a lot of flack, and people say, oh, how can he, how can he run a match, and how does he sell, and can he get the emotions into wrestling? I was like, he absolutely does all that shit, and it's wonderful to see. And I'm, I'm just so glad to still see him in GCW, and 
Yeah, coming to Vegas, that's a that's gonna be a fun one. No, you're right. Um, we're fortunate. He never gets old. I love the music. It's just it's a wonderful thing. He's in a GCW ring now, current triple H champion. Laredo out to rock you like a hurricane. I uh I have a lot of respect for Laredo. He's one of my favorites. I love watching him. He's a member of the Royal Air Force of AAA. I don't know how many know anything about that. The uh, Laredo kid had a nasty head first bullet dive tope at one point in this match. Looked like a, well, yeah, it looked like a fucking missile. You were there live. It was just launched. That was, right? that, that was our area too. Uh, it was more the middle, but like it, that was our side. And I thought maybe Vikingo was like going to counter it into like a power bomb or it looked uh-huh. like he countered it into a pile driver, kind of what it ultimately looks like. But yeah, it was like, it was a very similar situation. Like I say, Bandito and Black Taurus were. If he didn't catch him, he's landed directly on his head. And I think Vikingo did a great job of catching Laredo on that dive because he came flying out of that thing. I'm not even going to lie. There was quite a few moves in this match that went down that not even Emil or Nick knew the names for. So here's another one of the candid, you know, moments where I say, go watch the match. It's so much easier to understand. But there was a spot here where truly went heel. Laredo was talking to the ref, and when he didn't think the ref was technically looking hit like a dirty knee to the balls and people really did not take well to that i was loving vikingo's move where he stands on that ring post and then he does the destroyer onto the ring apron and uh that's just yeah nasty vikingo hits a tope moments later that throws laredo back about four rows of chairs there are a lot of counters and reverses laredo started to show frustration towards the end of this match because he threw a lot of shit at vikingo and he was still just fighting back over and over. Laredo with a beautiful move that looked like an inverted version of the Psycho Rama from Matt Seidel. That's the only way I can mention it. Check it out if you get a chance. It's definitely an interesting little move. Viking goes, or I'm sorry, Viking, ha. Vikingo goes for a swinging sidewalk slam from the top rope. He then hits double knees to the chest and a 630 onto Laredo Kid for the three. Our winner in this match, El Hio del Vikingo. Oh. A money shower. Vikingo shows respect, and the fans, you included, were beating the shit out of that mat. Fantastic. Yeah, I also love, I don't know if you noticed, they had like a quick little tag spot where it kind of looked like he was running, Vikingo was running away from Laredo. Like, through he ran, Laredo went to go do like a tope or baseball slide to the outside. Laredo, uh, Vikingo. Oh, they're like, running around chasing each other? Yes, I yes, love that because yeah. like I remember at first was like, what the hell's going on? And I was like, is this ultimate tag? And I get to see a version of ultimate tag in here because I've seen little clips of that uh, loose little sport kind of happening. Well, I don't think it's new anymore, but it was happening during COVID. Um, and they it looked pretty interesting the way they're just kind of parkouring all over the place. And Vikingo, the way he was running away from Laredo, I thought we were going to see a little bit more of that. And I, I thought that was a cool little spot. Um, yeah, Vikingo, as you said, when he does that destroyer off the post standing on it, that's so crazy. The one he hit on Speedball was nuts. Um, can't remember the the Rado Kid uh, one too much, but I'm going to have to check it out when I go back and uh, watch it with sound. And that's it's such a crazy, dangerous spot, though. That's a lot of things. And he's on such a tight little square on top of the post. Right? It's like, oh, like when he did it at Speedball, that was the most insane one I've seen. Um, man. Standing on it's one thing. Kicking off and taking a leap off of it is a whole other thing because you have to have because he's he's like balancing and then putting a certain amount of pounds of pressure all upon that one part of his foot because I think he's really going off of one foot, not two, but he's balancing onto it first. And then I think I don't know. I have to go back and watch. Fucking impressive. 
when he does that running, like, I don't even know what you call it. When he does, like, the running, he stands on that, then will land, jump on the top rope and, like, the, the arm drag. Yeah, the arm drag. When he hits off the top rope, goes into the next set of ropes and backflips and turns into arm drag. Like, he's just incredible, man. I, I, I just don't know what to say. Like, I during the match with Blake Christian, I just I just watched this two nights ago. That's why it's so, so fresh in my mind. But like the announcer's like, what? What did he do? Why? Why did he do that? Why is he climbing up there? Like they're just like, why? And like there's there's everything's happening so much they can't even keep track. They're just like, I can't keep track with this. I think it was Caprice Coleman. <laughs> uh, like I can't keep track with this. This kid's just phenomenal. He just does anything. And yeah, I feel the same way every time I watch him. Even though I've seen these moves, it's like he's how he hits it and comes up with these spots is incredible. I always look forward to what he's going to do next that we haven't seen before. Yeah, see, that's kind of funny. Your last sentence was my first one. Really interested to see, interested to see what he's going to do next. So fucking good. Yes, and uh, great way to... Oh, Laredo Kid just hit that crazy backflip, uh, like, holding on to Viking, like, backflip German suplex that landed on his front. I can't. I can't even explain mm-hmm. it. Off the top rope, holding on. Uh, yeah. So Vikingo like looks like he's about to do a German suplex. They both do like a Spanish fly, and he lands on Vikingo on the ground. That was incredible. Yeah. That... A lot of typing and pausing and typing <laughs> and pausing. That's how it happens. Yeah. Th- uh, I I got to give Little Kid his due too. He stepped up and had a great match, and I thought this was a great way to end the whole collective weekend with Vikingo winning. And I maybe could see if they did Joey Janela's. Uh, spring break at the end and having maybe Coda versus Joey and collective or Vikingo versus speedball and collective would be a little bit more better than I think Laredo kid versus Vikingo. But these two definitely had a great match in 12 minutes. It felt longer than that. Now I'm thinking about it. Um, but in a good way, like it felt like I saw like a lot yeah, more shit. Yeah. Like, so I'm watching this match. Okay. Oh, I forgot that spot. Oh, I forgot that spot. Um, yeah, I'm so happy Impressive. to see Vikingo. There, there, there's no words I can always say about Vikingo. He's just, yeah, impressive might be the best one. And that will, do you want to do some memorable moments for this one? I actually didn't have any written because, funny thing, I thought this was going to be a shorter review. And what happened was the action was so damn good that, you know. So I would just say, I mean, blanket statement, these last two, uh, these last two matches were just fantastic. And the women's match was a fantastic standout also. Same thing. I hope to see them come back again. Quite a few people from this show. I would not complain. I actually, I don't think I saw a bad performance. No, I, I, I didn't either. In this call card, like there was hit. no shit shows. Yeah, like there might be one little spot. I'm not even going to bring it to like it's not worth talking about. But it was accident flawless. Too. Yeah, it was a flawless, flawless card, and I enjoyed it. I the crowd was into it just as much as they are just during that one lucha match during GCW. They were like that the entire night and. Um, I love the atmosphere that the Lucha crowd brought during this card. Well, I'm fucking satisfied. That was a great end to the week. That's about the best way I can put it. Yes. All right. And if you're still listening, we didn't mention this at the beginning, but we're going to throw in Emo Night from the Collective Weekend on here as well. It was only four matches um, with three musical acts. We're not going to talk about the musical acts because they weren't. We don't cover the rest. uh, (laughs) We cover the rest and not the music. So, um. Emona, I've talked this up. I think I like this a lot more than a lot of fans have because I like being there and being part. It felt like an after party. 
we're all just chilling, singing old songs. Like for me, I actually ever since this night, I created like an emo playlist of stuff I was listening in high school because it was a uh, very cool hearing a lot of these songs I haven't heard in a long time, and it just felt like a party. The crowd wasn't as full, obviously. If you watch this on Fight TV, this was a midnight show, and. The people that were there, though, were awesome. They were into it. They're singing. It felt like a big sing-along. So I really enjoyed this yeah. show. I know the action wasn't good. It wasn't like five-star matches. But I think it was... Uh, I actually found two new characters I enjoyed. I kind of wish the, these wrestlers would kind of keep these characters because I did like how they uh, adjusted their characters for Emo Night as they kind of have done in the past. And I enjoyed this show. I thought it was enjoyable, but I get why uh, a lot of people... Didn't really like it. And I got a super bad rating on Cage Match because it just it was a, a wrestling wrestling show. It was a fun party show, and I I enjoyed every bit of this. So it's unique, and we only do this style once a year. So I'm okay with that. I'm with you on the yeah. I'm with you on the music. That's um I don't know how you get on that show, but but I I don't know. So I felt emo. Everything was terrible. So this is the midnight show. It was 3 a.m. on the East Coast. Um, no, I'm just kidding. You know, um, we'll go through it when we get to it. But yeah, the music thing was not much for me. I was laughing. We'll get into it when it happens. But B boy, emo B boy. I love. Yeah, there's a couple of them I really fucking enjoyed. Hilarious. I e- e- emo Ciclope and Miedo. Yes, that was the, that's where I was going. Rolling. That's where I was going because that was a that was a surprise as well. But. Uh, I like I liked a lot of the different characters that these wrestlers tried for have fun and it was I enjoyed it. It was a good show. Uh the first match of the four is a scramble match, as it is Sonico, Sawyer Wreck, Jimmy Lloyd, B Boy, Sad Boy Charlie. I'm skipping there because that's the <laughs> that's the one I loved. I loved Sad Boy Charlie coming out. I it's we talked about his gimmick, his new gimmick, and we we're trying to figure out always what it is. Kind of under trying to understand where he's coming from with this new character. But right, right away, I saw the sad boy character. I'm like, that's it. He needs to be like the new Scotty Riggs or Billy Kidman that just needs to be in Raven's Raven. block and be the emo. Yes, <laughs> be the emo uh, sidekick to the faction because I enjoyed what sad boys Charlie did in uh, everything. And the last competitor is. Uh, Matt Vandegrift from Vegas, and I was so happy to see Vandegrift again. I haven't seen him since the, the Santino show, and anytime, like I've always said this probably many times, anytime we get to see Vandegrift in GCW, we get a different Vandegrift than we get out here locally at the local shows, and as he said before, <laughs> crawling, on the, crawling on the outside of one of these scrambles, yeah, that's a different vibe. I gotta kind of change up my style, <laughs> and... I love yeah. I love GCW Vandegrift, even if it's emo fight or emo night GCW uh, Vandegrift. I enjoy it, and this was a fun scramble match. A lot of entertaining stuff. Um, my biggest one was obviously the sad boy stuff. We I loved the whole sad boy, of <laughs> him coming out and just looked like I think it was uh, it was me on camera. He went to go give me a high five, and then oh, I'm putting his head down because he was like, no, I'm emo. <laughs> I'm too sad to give you a high five. Um, what was your thoughts on this scramble match, Sean? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just revisiting it for a second here. Uh, B-Boys like my age are a touch older. So an emo guy my age or older is fucking hilarious. Plus, it's out of his range age-wise. You know what I mean? He was more like 90s hip-hop, run era kind of thing. So and he came out somebody the- like that emo, hilarious. 
the Evanescence out of all the out of all the songs. You he know it. The Evanescence and like everybody is screaming it and loving it. And like he came out emo at first, and he felt the energy of the crowd as we were singing the song. And that's when he kind of mm-hmm. like hyped up and like wake me up inside. <laughs> like I loved it. I loved this side of B Boy, and I love seeing B Boy just in general. Um, I think one of the last times we saw him was the match against Billy Starks. I forgot where it was. It wasn't out West Coast. I think it was somewhere in the mid- Midwest. Maybe it was Atlanta. I think it now. What happened at center Could stage? Have been AC? I think it's center stage when he had his yeah. match with Billy Starks and just totally beat the shit out of Billy Starks. And we loved the badass, like, I'm veteran B boy. Like, I'm not playing these yeah, kid games yeah. with you. I love seeing that B boy. So anytime I get to see B boy now, I'm super excited. And Emoy B boy. Oh, wow. That's a mouthful. Emo B boy. Oh, but they said something like, I think they started like as Sad Boy Charlie. I think they're saying Sad Boy. Like, I think they're just doing for Sad Boy instead of B Boy, too. Um, yeah. It was fun. It was fun seeing him with the makeup and coming out to Evidence and just enjoying emo music with the fans. I loved it. Yeah, everyone was donning black. That was really kind of cool. Maybe they should have like a goth thing at some point. That's what a lot of people were kind of calling for. Like, hey, you had emo night last time. Let's have like a goth night this night or something like that. Okay, that's it. I'll put it out there. I'll just go ahead and put it out there now. I think it should be put out there. Let's do a goth night. Let's do something for all these people that love to do that shit. <laughs> um, but I saw that Vandegrift basically died on the floor in front of you. Oh my god, yeah. I don't know what the hell happened there, but he did have a nice corkscrew off the top rope at one time later. But um, yeah, do you have anything? I mean, you probably just saw it happen, right? It, like It was just it looks like he died right there on the fucking floor. Uh, yeah, I forgot. I'm actually just a little, I'm a little behind here. I'm watching uh, the Jimmy no, okay. Lloyd and B-Boy face off and the, the Jimmy oh, Lloyd make the hug it out. Yeah. So they're just like staring at each other, like shrugging their shoulders. Like, what? What are we going to do? What do you want to do here? I, I don't know. Like I said, I enjoyed this card. Yeah. That's yeah. So good. And then B-Boy, he had that walk around the ring and then he ended oh. up just doing the eye poke. <laughs> yes. Great. And then someone got in his way and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Punched him and then kept on going. <laughs> oh, Sawyer Wreck. Okay, that's who it was. It was Sawyer. Yeah, Sawyer was standing over there fighting I forget who and just boom, popped right in the face. <laughs> I like Sonico's purple and gray mask. And I will say also because he's a West Coaster, he is a solid performer. I'm really surprised he hasn't been picked up. But I think at some, um, at some point he will. Great look. Uh, I feel he's going places. It's just a matter of when. Uh, emo fight chance from the crowd. Our finish, though, in this one, Vandegriff hit a 450 splash on Sonico for the win. So, yeah, you were really happy with this one. Yep. There was a lot of sing-alongs with the music, which I think just prevailed prominently. It was throughout the night. Everybody was singing along to everything. B-Boy finally got his hug, so they all had fun together. That's... Yeah, that's what I got, man. Um, I won't even. Yeah, there was a musical act. That was that. I, uh, I like I said, I got a smile on my face. I'm watching it now and talking about it. Like Funny. I, I loved this whole like this whole, this whole event. Like even though now I'm looking back, it's only four matches, which is kind of stunning. I felt like longer, but I think that's because the musical acts. Um, yeah, yeah. And I had fun. Like I said, it felt like a giant sing along. The wrestlers enjoyed themselves, and still, when it was time to kind of pick up the pace and action they they delivered like they normally do but it was just in a totally different way and i loved seeing uh emo b-boy just like kind of like man really like when start like he was going to do something Starboy ran up and stopped him and like he's like hold on why are you running at me look over there and went to go do the fake out punch and then he got kicked i just loved Starboy or sad boy charlie and b-boy that sad boy i want to see this gimmick like i said right, i think right. 
And it's no knock on his guy. I don't understand his name. I'm saying me. I'm. It's my fault. It's not anything he's doing. I just don't understand the overalls, the everything I about think it. He's a, I think he's a farmer on a weed farm. I think that's what he is. But I saw I more charisma in Sad Boy Charlie than I did so far in this regular Charlie. And that's why I think yeah. I love it a lot more. Like he showed his little range there. So uh, I don't know. Maybe they can incorporate this somehow. But I enjoyed everything. And I did, as you said, I popped big when Vandegrift won. I was so happy that he finally got a win in GCW because he's only wrestled a few times there in the scrambles. And I was kind of shocked that he picked up the win, to be honest. And I was happy for it because giant Vandegrift fan and uh, fun, fun match number one to start off emo night. Match number two is Janai Kai versus Brooke Havoc versus Sandra Moon. Um... I think this was oh this was the second time I saw Brooke Havoc this weekend because she ended up being at the Pandemonium Pro Show and that was my first time seeing her. I know she got like just came back from injury or maybe she did get injured and came back a while ago. But um, I she was a perfect pick for this emo fight with her emo kind of character. Um, Sandra Moon kind of fits the bill as well, but the surprise here was Janai Kai coming out with yes the hoodie on and no facial expression, no fast movements, no talking, none of that stuff. And once again, I enjoy her actual character. This one I don't want to see change, but I very much enjoyed what she did during this match, and she didn't do anything during this match, and I loved yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so Brooke Havoc came out happy. Sandra Moon comes out. She's not looking emo at all. She has high energy, the complete opposite of emo. And then, yeah, Janai Kai comes out. She could care less. She just kind of sits in the corner, then like lays in the corner. She did nothing and stole the show. Yep. She, by fans, like she did more than the other girls did for the fans. Like it was, it was fun. Yes. Like, and I've never had so much. She should have been the fucking doll. She should have, we should have called her Yoshihiko. <laughs> Yoshihika. And like, she no sold everything, didn't move, and and I, I said it was so. She's, I think you're right. She it was one of the most memorable, other than I remember Sad Boy and uh, B Boy, but Janai Kai literally sold the show. Like she got the crowd to chant her name and over and over and screaming for her, and she did nothing. Like she's like literally, guys were yes. saying did nothing. She sat in the corner and didn't do nothing the entire match, pretty much. Yeah, and the whole time she's not wanting to fight. I was kind of guessing that Brooke and Sandra are like they're supposed to be the characteristic opposites of Janai. That That's makes sense. What I was kind of okay, but yeah, no matter what Sandra and Brooke does, Janai like they don't matter. She won't fight. We had a sit forever chant from the crowd, which that was I thought awesome. was so good. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, just it was very short, seven minutes. Janai finally gets up to uh, break up a pin but puts Brooke out with a chokehold for the win. So Janai basically did damn near nothing. And then at the very end, she came off like just like a strong worm. Like she just laid on top of her and just choked her the fuck out. And that's exactly what happened. So our winner was Janai Kai. Uh, anything else that you have to say about this, uh, this match here? Just her, like even when she's taking these bumps, like she actually had to take a couple bumps even. Yes. No shoulder reaction on the face, not holding like really body Kicks. parts too much. Like, just yep. was like a literal like like a punching bag or practice dummy out there it was just being tossed around with no facial reaction. I said Yoshiko was a perfect example. There's like a doll being tossed around. And I really uh during the end of the that match, her cell phone falls out of her pocket. 
Really? Yes. And then so at the end, after she taps out Brooke, you see her actually picking up and putting in her pocket a couple different times during the match. But then what at the end, what is she doing with her phone in her pocket? I think she was just she playing up. The, I think she was just playing up the whole character, like fuck it, I don't know. But it is yeah, still like, why? Yeah. Why would you bring a phone out there if you're going to still take bumps? And uh, it was funny too. Like after she tapped out Brooke, she still took the camera and like didn't smile or nothing. Still took a selfie and like put it back in her hoodie. Like I loved the alternate <laughs> character. Uh, I, it was perfect timing too, as you said. Did nothing. Then when it came time for like the hot tag or the for her to, oh, she had something on her hand too. I see her giving high fives now at the end. Looks like she has like uh, eye tattooed or not tattooed, but like drawn in pen on her hand because she's giving the fans high five. Um, oh. I don't know. Maybe that adds into the whole emo character, but I I enjoyed it. It was fun, and I really love the whole badass Shinaikai too. Like, um, glad she's getting more work in. I think Stardom or out in Japan as well. Oh, she has a saying on it. I didn't see what it says. Um, but this was so once again the kind of like Sad Boy Charlie, totally different side of her, and I enjoyed it because to take those bumps and kicks and everything and not sell it facially is tough enough to do. And she did a great job during uh, this match. And that's it forever chant was funny shit. That will lead us into our third matchup of the evening. And this was an eye opener for me. Uh, I, I'll, well, I'll go over it when we talk about it. But wow. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, the princess zombie goes against, or no, zombie Zombie princess. Zombie princess. Yeah, but as I said that, I'm like, wait, that didn't sound right. Yeah. Goes whatever. against Kevin Blackwood. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get into that. I'll get into that. <laughs> Goes against Kevin okay. Blackwood, and before you get into what I think you're about to go, I'm going to go a little <laughs> different route here. Yeah, okay, go ahead. This was the best Kevin Blackwood I've ever seen. This match was the I best think that's Blackwood fair was the best matchup I've ever seen him have. And I don't know if it's maybe because he did a couple different moves I've never seen him do before, and like different move skill set. I was so into this match based off of what he provided with Jimmy Jacobs and I left this match like that was the best Kevin Blackwood I've seen. I loved it. I loved everything in this match. It was a great match. Just in this was it for the night, other than the main event. Well, I guess the main event's the next match. I loved this match. It was great. Kevin Blackwood showed me something that I, I've talked about. We've talked about both on the podcast. Just didn't seem for me at points or seemed like correct, he kind of yeah. kind of didn't live up to my expectations of what I kind of seen and heard from him before and kind of kind of hit a dull period. But after this match, I want to see this version of Kevin Blackwood all the time. Nothing different. He played his normal character. I'm just saying in-ring action-wise, I want to see this diff- this side of Kevin Blackwood because I think this was the best match I've ever seen him have. Not just in GCW, outside GCW as well. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn, huh? All right. Oh! So I, yeah. Yeah, Wolf going heel. Okay, so I don't want to make it bad, bad. It's just for me, I don't really connect with either of these performers too much. I will tell you, though, it is fair to say because I don't connect with them doesn't mean I have anything bad to say. I don't have to hate someone to be neutral, Um, but I'm not a fan of either of these two, really. They just don't connect with me character wise. Blackwood has improved. I will say that I'm right there with you. He looks much better. He looks much more GCW ready than he did when we originally saw him around the LA fights years uh, a year ago. Maybe. We had this as emo chance. I uh, no, I won't. I won't skip it. Okay, so here's what's going on. I'm not gonna lie. Jimmy is a legend, according to GCW and fans. But I really never heard of him until this past year or two. Honestly, I just besides wearing a tutu, I'm not seeing anything in the ring that stands out. He's a zombie princess. Great. 
I'm sure that was edgy in the 90s and the 2000s, but not really anymore. But I also have to remember this is the indies. So he's not for me and that's okay because he didn't, he didn't put this out there for me. He put this out there for everyone. So I think that's the best way to say it. And I think that's a fair thing to say. So please nobody get upset. Um, I've watched probably on average a week. I don't, you might see across my screen, hundred to 150 people. If I don't like five, please don't kill me. It's just, I watched him against, um, Oh, geez, off the top of my head. I watched him against uh, Moxley. I watched him in this match. I watched him in other matches. I'm like, what's, 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 what am I watching that's worth, like, I can see when they put some of these guys in for, for, uh, this guy's a legend. Uh, Nick Gage is a legend, but I'm watching this guy and I'm like, what's the legend part? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the character. And it's not for me to get. That's okay, because he didn't do it for me. Yeah, I don't. I, I I'll agree with you on the legend part. I've seen a lot of his matches in old Ring of Honor, and that's when I knew of him. Is got to see the, I, in my opinion, the best of him. But is that legendary? No, that's not. I don't think he's legendary. I mean, there's about no. ten other names I could think of that I me as you said me I enjoyed and would call legendary in Ring of Honor history more than I would say Jimmy Jacobs, but. I did really like the first emo night and how they kind of laid it around him at the end, like the main event and him singing his yeah. song and sending the fans out that way. I thought that was a very, very awesome way to end that first emo night that way because of the song, the history that he had with that uh, would have been an up. awesome retirement match that yes. was that well laid out around him. Yes. I loved that whole thing. But like you said, I, I don't, find his work he's like he's i get his stuff i've seen a couple of his uh matches in person out here in vegas and it's been pretty good not nothing crazy i kind of just picture him as like kind of like a not i don't want to say older like i don't even know how old he is but he had passed his prime like not in his prime years but still able to go out there and have a yeah. good 15 minute match and this one what 17 minutes i thought this was a good match that he held his own on as well but i wouldn't call him legendary but i think he definitely has yeah. a place in wrestling but i wouldn't say legend as well no i um i'm just trying to think as a promoter what am i trying to get out of him as a draw it's none of my business i'm just um yeah that's okay anyway so i'm gonna look up real quick while i have the chance here how old is jimmy jacobs why not right 39 backstory here that's fantastic 39 he's legend and he's not even 40 well i I've, he's got a big I'm, I'm just looking at the cage match and i know he had a pretty long ring of honor career but i, th I think something came up where he had to stop and that's where he became an agent and stuff like that i know i think he was okay, in that infamous okay. picture that wwe took for aw or something like that or when aw i think he took a picture with a lot of like wrestlers that were in wwe and then he got in big trouble for that i think he got fired for that to be honest with you or something else happened where yeah. he decided to quit because he got backlash for it or something but um yeah 39 does seem young he doesn't look old either i don't want to say he looks old but like i just because i've he must have been super young when i watched him in ring of honor because i mean that's where i really know him is from ring of honor and when gcw brought him back so he he began his career in 1999 23 years ago roughly you know 24 he was a singles wrestler from 99 to 2015 it's so about 16 years and then 2016 or 2017 until today but he was a road agent from 2017 till today, a writer from 2015 to 2017, a manager, an interviewer from 2020 until today, a trainer and a backstage helper. So 
I this could be a possibility where the reason why he gets to go out there and do his thing is because he's so important behind the curtain. That's what I, I was just know. about to say. I think he provided a yeah. lot uh, behind, especially during his time with WWE. I remember he was a name that was like a lot of the cool segments that happened. Like he was like the producer from it. And I, I do remember hearing him a lot too, as a road agent and all the good stuff that he did. So maybe, as you said, maybe backs behind the scenes mixed in with his long well, I guess I guess not extremely long. I wonder how long he wrestled for Ring of Honor, but I saw a ton mm-hmm. of his matches there, and I, like it was good. I um I like I wasn't I don't think legendary, but I it wasn't awful. Like there was a lot of good stuff happening in Ring of Honor too. So it's not maybe knock on him, but just bad timing of who he was in Ring of Honor with at that time because there was a lot of big names uh back then when I first started watching him. Well, it's just like he's a champion at XICW. No idea. CZW, no clue. Let's see. PWE, I kind of know. I don't know Prime. Pog. NIW. MPW. Okay. Oh, no. Pog. P-O-G. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's not on House of Glory here as a champion. IWR, MCPW. Like, these are small companies. I'm not seeing much. Yeah, he's definitely independent for sure. But I, I don't... There's a lot of championships here off and on, but they're small runs and I'm not going to tear it apart because it looks like there's some great stuff that he's done here. And I respect his work behind the scene. I'm just saying in front of the scene as what he's trying to give me, I just, I don't see it. And I think that's okay. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. It's just, I in ring, I don't know what to report on him because there isn't much. Um, but there, yeah, Blackwood had a night. I really stumble because I don't want to say anything too negative, but when I feel a certain way, I feel like I have to say it or I'm bullshitting everyone if I don't. Like, okay, how do I say it without anyone getting upset? Well, unfortunately, just how it is. Blackwood had a nice tombstone pile driver I really enjoyed. Kevin brings out a door. Blackwood hits Jimmy with a DVD through the door. Emo fight chance through the crowd. Eventually, though, our winner was Jimmy Jacobs as he tapped out Kevin Blackwood. 17 minutes long. There was a one cool spot that I think I remember when Jimmy Jacobs, I think, was hung up on the ropes and like Blackwood like did a um like went from the second rope to the top rope and then turned it into a stomp onto Jimmy Jacobs and that was pretty brutal. I think that was the spot mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want that Kevin Blackwood all the time. Maybe it's because I like the high spots, kinda like Vikingo. That's why I love him. Right, right. As uh like I I think I mentioned the last couple podcasts now. My new thing is spot foo. I love the spot foo shit and uh, right. That spot was definitely one of them, but it looked so good and it was so devastating with his double stomp bomb. I, like I said, I, I'm trying to watch this back as we kind of reviewed it, but I just remember this was one of the best matches I've seen Kevin Blackwood have, and I definitely want to see this style of him more often in GCW, um, because and he was on a really good trajectory like in the middle of last year too. He was getting a lot of big names and big matchups, and then it, I don't know if it was like injury or something. It seemed like he kind of slowed down a little bit, but um, glad to see him still back in the groove and. I like I said for me better than ever in my opinion because this was awesome for his his uh matches lately in GCW and Jimmy Jacobs I thought he did a pretty good job during this match as well I think um the the crowd if I remember correctly was like big time 50-50 at the beginning and then all of a sudden turned heavy into Jimmy Jacobs and um shows that the crowd does still love him like you said maybe we just don't get the whole legendary stuff but uh he performed in a good way. Like I said, 39, that, that does seem right around the age. I think he does look and was moving and stuff, but um, not the same as when I first saw him at the beginning of his career. 
And that will lead us into a surprise main event. As none of these uh, competitors were announced, nothing of this uh, match was announced at all. A kind of word of mouth um, from some people that we know kind of that said, uh, those of you that are emo, please don't leave early because there's going to be an incredible main event. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm staying. I'm staying. What kind of craziness is there? I know Jordan and Nick Wayne are still hopefully hanging around here. Uh, maybe Nick Gage makes a surprise appearance as an emo Nick Gage. Who knows? Like, I just was very excited to see what uh, was coming. And the main event was a three-way tag match as Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers, go against Los Macisos. That was surprise number one. Um, I don't think we covered any of those, but I think Los Macisos were supposed to be on that World of Lucha card or the DDT versus GCW card. One of those cards they were supposed to be on. They missed it because of a flight. They said, I know Ciclope or Miedo tw- tweeted out like, oh, finally in Los Angeles here. So I was like, good. They weren't, uh, they weren't hurt. They're still healthy. They just, we just haven't seen them because they missed the flight. Um, so they were the first big surprise seeing Miedo and Ciclope come out with the eye pain and the emo look. And just, I was popping at that point. I think I was like the screaming the loudest when they came out because I, Obviously, I'm a big Los Macisos fan and didn't expect to see them. And then the next tag team, which was, I think, the biggest surprise of the night, the Moonlight Express, the team of Mao from DDT and Speedball Mike Bailey show up. And I know we haven't covered the DDT shows yet, but Mao is one of the standouts for me of this weekend with a lot of other competitors from DDT, but he really stood out to me the most because a lot of those competitors from DDT uh, looked like they were enjoying the shit out of their time here in the States, in Los Angeles, in the GCW crowd. And Mao's definitely one of them and kind of playing into the whole emo thing. Speedball comes out with pretty much his normal character with a little, uh, oh my God, what's the eye, kind of eye black around his eyes, like shade around yeah, the eyeballs. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then Mao... Uh, on his taped up wrist had my chemical romance instead of my chemical romance. <laughs> and yeah, they, I forgot what song they came out with. I know it wasn't my chemical romance one. Maybe it was teenage. I think it was teenagers actually. They came out too. And then right before the crowd or before the match started, the crowd singing along still to the song and everybody's like, hold on, hold on. And starts singing it along. And then they go to see club and Miedo. They're like, no, no, no! You oh. guys got it. You guys are good. You, you guys do that <laughs> song. We don't know that shit. And like, there's still crowds singing along and cheering. And I was so happy for this surprise main event. I think it's like I said. I think this was a reward for us fans that stayed here this late into the night. Uh, by this time, it was like one thirty or two o'clock when this match happened. And, um, wow! This is where the in-ring action also was incredible. Um. There was not really the comedy other than the beginning of the match when they did the sing-along. The rest of the match was high-speed, high-paced match. Yes. Once again, Wasted Youth stepped up to the plate and delivered in this this tag match. And uh, glad to see them, not finally gelling, but clicking in a little bit more on all cylinders and starting to get more in sync with each other as a tag team and kind of coming into their own. So, yeah, I had really high hopes for this match. I've been waiting on, like, for some excitement. (laughs) Really, I've been waiting on for some excitement this whole time. I think part of it was because it was a midnight show. But again, because it's emo, it's not going to be totally high energy. A lot of the emo show 
was more about acting emo, which is a telltale sign of the entire era was acting. High hopes for this match, though, so, you know, we'll see. Emo, Ciclope, fucking kills me. Hilarious seeing him. Miedo with the frowny face makeup had me fucking, like, out, like, laughing hard. Los Matisos <laughs> getting kicked out for being posers. That's what you were talking about, where they were trying to figure out if they knew the words or not. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was finally nice to see some topes. They were finally back. This was more like what I want to see in my GCW experience. Mal has been a standout. Look at this, the notes. Mal has been a standout this weekend. He's the closest to being a GCW regular than all of the others. Also, I'll put it on my DDT notes, too. But he's he's the stand, the, the one standout that I said, you know what? He totally fits. Like, I don't know who else I'd put him with, but he's just got that crazy something to him that would just work so well. See, uh, I, six minutes. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, I felt like I know, like we're not covering the DDT show, but like, I felt there was like ten of them. But Mao, I think, as you said, the in-ring work and kind of his character, his attitude, and like he enjoyed the shit out of it. He said he wants to come back like fast. Yeah. So, and yeah. I didn't know they used to be a tag team with Speedball and. So when I first got to see them earlier and as the Moonlight Express and then back again with uh, this team, I thought that was incredible because I didn't know that was a tag team. And him and Speedball are great as a tag team. I think they gelled a lot as well. Yeah, between the two of them, I'd like to see them together anytime, anyhow. Again, Mal, anytime, come on back. Six minutes in, uh, yeah, I was thoroughly entertained. The The Moonlight Express I put in my notes were very fun to watch. Wasted Youth look really good together. I think being a team full-time was their calling. I really hope that it continues for them. I think Mathers is very strong, and Dylan McKay is very strong, but together they just click. They look like they work really well together. It's kind of interesting. But uh, the ending here, Moonlight Express hit a tornado driver on Dylan McKay for the win. So our winner here in our main event was the Moonlight Express. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I'm right there with you. Mao is incredible. The tag team was awesome. And I just wanted to, that's another little thing that probably is going to go unnoticed between all these people or all the people mm-hmm. online that were talking about how great Speedball's weekend was. He threw this match in at two o'clock in the morning after the ridiculous schedule that he had on an emo night in front of, I would say, probably less than half of what was at the UCC Center throughout all these other shows. Emo Knight probably had the worst attendance of it, but for yeah. him to show up in the main event and kind of have a killer match and working with uh, Mao and reuniting the Moonlight Express against this uh, Biedo and Ciclope and Wasted Youth, and like I said, they put on... This match was great. I loved this match. It was a lot of... It felt, as you said, that the, the speed was up to date of what we're normally used to seeing. We got the uh-huh. two topes. We got the movesets. Um, and Speedball did this at two in the morning, and I don't—I forgot what day this was. If this was before or after the Kota Bushi match, or before his uh, Tanahashi match, like he, out of all the shows and matches he had, this gets sneaked in there. And I thought that was so cool. Like, I felt rewarded as a fan for this main event. Hey, uh, you know what? After <laughs> those first three matches, you deserve something. I'm not gonna lie. Like after that, after this show, I actually wrote in my notes that. I don't know what the hell's going, but like there needs to be a better focus on quality instead of quantity. That's about the best way to put it. This, this show was like half of it was ass shitty artists. I'm not going to hold back. I mean, if you're deep in this, they were all shit artists. They were terrible. We're talking about the music. Yeah. We're talking about the music here, not the wrestlers. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, just I'm talking about it's just I know they put them in there as something but they weren't anything and it showed like a lot of them were past the age group they should be singing in and a lot of the lyrics were juvenile at best i could have sat down and had very uh, listen i was in a metal band and i actually had to write a long time ago if you want to go over this do you remember um i'm trying to think of the name of the band um i'll go into it sometime um trying to think of the name of them it doesn't matter Anyway, though, their lead singer died and I went down and tried out for him and it was me and like two or three other guys. Yeah, I could have went a completely weird, different route. Ah, you could time. have been on emo night. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's a long story. The, the guy asphyxiated. I don't know if oh. it actually came out public. Uh, um, oh, Bodies by Drowning Pool. Oh, Drowning Pool. Yeah, yeah. So dude died via asphyxiation. Like, again, I don't know if that even came out or not. But he drank too damn much, killed him. And then I was discovered up in Cleveland. Um, a long time ago, I was in a metal band and I was discovered by a guy up there and he brought me down to Orlando and he had me working with a couple different bands because they were going to plug me into some metal bands down in Orlando. At the time, one of them was called Noir, just meant black. It was like a bead metal almost. I forget the other one. Well, long story short, I got a call. Hey, you need to come out and try this out. And I'm like, what's going on? And that's how I found out the lead singer of Drowning Pool died. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then less than about two weeks later, probably a little bit after the funeral, I was down in the studio laying down in a track trying to do their songs. I was one of probably 30 to 40 artists that they ran through the studio to try to find a new singer for Drowning Pool. So there you go. Anybody <laughs> who's my age group, there's there's a little something. So like I said, when I talk about some of these things, I'm going to tell you the, the lyrics were juvenile. Like, juvenile. I'd kill myself, but it would whatever. I'm like, you lame piece of shit. Come up with something better. See, the, only one I, terrible. the only one the one yeah, I the three I enjoyed. Like yeah, Wicked right? Phase, Eternal. Because um, we've He's seen been him on before, before right? on the last yeah. demo night. They, he was doing a lot of the music um, where they were really doing really good video packages for this that show as well and yeah uh, i think he did a little performance too but his song was all over i think his song was all over the hammerstein show as well um so i knew of I him a little how bit people get in and they I have to be it. friends or something yeah i'm thinking i didn't mind friends his one somebody. so that's why i think he deserved to be there but the other two never heard of i don't i couldn't tell you the lyrics to be honest i at that time right. the one I guy was decent the, wrestling. the one guy was decent but that's the thing see it's like you're bringing music to wrestling you probably want to bring something harder but again this is a one time a year show this is a one time yeah. thing everybody deserves to have their one thing that they like this was for the emo people i hope that the emo crowd liked it <laughs> uh, no, you know i will I mean? say and i don't i'm not trying to say this in a bad way because oh, we probably... do need a grunge night <laughs> anyway. would be fun uh, yeah yes and no because we should have a, we should have an ecw night no shit every wrestler picks an ecw performer and they dress up like him they have a match that should have been a good that's for the old guys that's for the old guy oh they could have done so much (laughs) do you understand that they could have well no they couldn't i was gonna say they could have had like a a fake hogan and i'm like yeah that's that's how you get literally i was just about to say that but i didn't know how deep we're diving i'm like i don't think they could actually use the names though but they could figure out some other way to do it yeah uh there was one fan singing with one of the guy's songs it was funny like i looked at him like uh like he's rocking the hell out good for him like he enjoyed it i'm like good for him because like that's i'm just sitting here like watching everyone else i'm like 
I, I don't know. Like, once again, this is for, not for me because I don't know the artist. But if you know the artist, then obviously you're going to enjoy the live performance, yes, especially yeah. at a wrestling show. But there, there were, I think, the first one of the guys, I think. One of them were actually other than Wicked Phase Eternal. Maybe that's what, or maybe that's where the one I'm thinking of. There's kind of like a little, not a mosh pit, but a bunch of people just kind of dancing in, a, in like one area and kind of bobbing yeah. back and forth. Um, Those was, are usually called the artist's friends. <laughs> hey, but seriously, there. seriously, that's what happens. Usually, the the friends will come out or people who came out with them, and they'll try to get like the people to kind of you know to make it look like it's more full and whatnot and that's that's nothing bad i'm just saying that's what it looked like it kind of was because they were all bringing out phones and doing they knew the words and i'm like okay so i like though how it was a different show i ultimately like we like the it variety this was out of the whole weekend this was another thing that was completely different than all the rest and i guess that end ring i enjoyed everything um i think we said uh, i think you said the winner moonlight express and um I enjoyed just like the new characters, the funny comedy spots, but then like, yeah, as you said, the last two matches definitely picked up and for the wrestling aspect and just to see the surprise of Moonlight Express, Los Macisos and Wasted Youth was awesome for me. Like I'm I, anyone that listens, I'm a big giant speedball fan and Los Macisos. And like I said, now I'm becoming a big Mal fan. And when we go over DDT, there's quite a few other competitors. I definitely enjoy there and want to, uh, see a little bit more often, whether it be in GCW or back in their home territory in DDT. Um, Mao definitely is one, though, I would like, hopefully we get to keep or bring out a little bit more often because uh, I enjoyed, like, everything about him. And he, just like Calcota, was so, like, seemed grateful and happy. And as I talk about, Vikingo smile, like, he, it, Mao seemed very appreciative that we gave him the spotlight, we gave him the chance, we gave him the love that he, like, I, I don't know what he what he gets out in DDT, but he enjoyed the whole GCW vibe. And when mm-hmm. obviously we talk about when they the performers are enjoying themselves, they're going to put on a better performance, and we enjoy. It. And that's kind of how I felt this whole night was just fun. Let's have it put on a fun little show for the fans. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I loved at the end though they did take everybody out by uh, oh my god, what's that song? It's not Helena, is it? Um, the My Chemical uh, Romance so song. Long, good night. Yeah, it's Helena. So yeah. Uh, yeah, um, Helena. And I was glad because I was like, that was one of my favorite songs too, but I just forgot it because I haven't listened to it in a long ass time. I think and that might be my favorite band from that era. My Chemical yeah, they were pretty good. Yeah, actually, I don't know they, how many, I don't know a lot of bands from that era too. So. There was like, they actually, they actually were about to come back to Vegas here recently uh, when they announced like they were yeah. getting back together and making another album. Yeah, there's uh, like three of their songs I like. Yeah, but Mal was awesome. And they did like a crazy what they did earlier um, during the DDT versus GCW match when they did the double backflip as Speedball Mal stood on the top rope and did the backflip to the outside. That's where they caught Nick Wayne on that show. Um, they hit that on during this show, too. It's like, it's 2 a.m. Speedball. Like, what are you doing out here doing these, this crazy shit for? But got I, that cocaine. I loved the Speedball, too. He just enjoyed every bit of all the different matchup and stylistic matchups he got and a lot of legends he wrestled and a lot of big names like he had an incredible weekend as i i kind of suggested everybody probably thought he would after all the names that he had and the incredible talent that he's been uh wrestling against lately i i love this i want to see more moonlight express i love that tag team yes um yeah like i said this was a great way to end a four match emo night i enjoyed this show in person great sing-along party atmosphere kind of nostalgic but also near the end when 
the comedy wasn't hitting, or after they did the first two matches of kind of comedy, picking up the wrestling was a great fit to end the night off. Yes. Yeah. You know what? That's a great point. I think what happened here was they said, okay, we did the emo thing. It's worked as much as we're going to be able to work it. If we had a third person sit in the corner and act dead, it's just not going to have the same effect. I think that they were also reading a 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. crowd going, Oh, yeah. We got to do something here, or else this place is just going to go flat. So, um, wow. Yeah, that was that was totally worth sticking around for. For Mao and Bailey, like, yeah. That was, <laughs> like, that was, like, that's why like, I was happy as shit for Miedo and Ciclope. I'm like, that's it. Let's go. Let's end this yep, match. So yep. then I hear another music. I'm like, well, I, at first I did hear... Emma announced a three triple or three way tag match or whatever, three tag team mm-hmm. match. So I was like, oh shit, like what's going to come after Macisto? Then I was like, oh, it's got to be maybe East West Express to really cap yeah, off right. my night. But if I had to pick a second tag team, this would have been the one I wanted to see. And I got him and I like, well, I was like, what, are, what is going on here? Like those people I was with, they actually end up leaving uh, before the main event. And I've oh. got, they, they left out the musical act before the main event. <laughs> So I kind of like that text. I'm like, you guys should have left. Like, you know what? Just have, like, who's coming out right now? And yeah. as you guys can probably hear my voice excitement, I I don't know. I just enjoyed this match or just card. The wrestling more than I was good. Yeah, the wrestling was good. I came for the wrestling. You know, the rest of it is not for me, and that's okay. And I was vocal about that a little too much. Sorry, but <laughs> no. But the wrestling, all right, man. That's what we're there for. No. Yeah, and like I said, that was a treat to us fans that. Stayed up to two in the morning to see Los Macisos and Moonlight Express. I'll, and I don't want to discredit Wasted Youth. Like, they're, I, I just thought the, the three teams here, I, it's already, the, I'm more excited for those other two. But once again, I'll go back to the Wasted Youth talking about their matching gear and how much they improved in the, in the this was a giant step. Matching up. pants. Yeah, they got the matching pass list, but also <laughs> in ring, this was a huge step up of talent to wrestle against these four competitors in the tag team scene. And I, I I don't have a bad thing to say about them either. I just I'm just was more excited for the other two. So uh, wasted. But I did notice during this match though they were gelling a lot more than I think it was like two or well, a couple episodes ago. But one of their last shows before the collective, we were talking about their timing was off. They weren't kind of gelling. Or this match they were absolutely gelling. And I think I saw them in one other match during the weekend, and they looked great as a tag team then too. So it's like. Things are starting to click for them, which is good because they're young anyway. And with possibly Nick Wayne being called up to AEW here, they said in June. No, they said in May, May or June, uh, uh, June or July. Actually, what, now there's a there was a uh, there was a date given. Yeah, the specific date at Defy when uh, he wrestled he wrestled against Swerve. Can't remember off the top of my head, but with Nick Wayne kind of going to AEW soon, I'm wondering how much longer he's going to wrestle for GCW. I'm hoping they still, he could do both to just keep on working on his craft and still getting better when he's not being used by AEW. But I'm also afraid that he might be just strictly AEW, no longer GCW or any other promotion. And that means that Jordan and Nick might have to drop the tag belts here soon. And if wasted youth are starting to show some promise, now would be the good time to finally get everything on the same page as they're getting there and maybe make a run for that, uh, the tag titles as Nick Wayne's uh, tenure in GCW might be coming to it. And I don't know. I'm, I'm totally speculating. I have no idea. I just hope that AEW kind of goes back to what they originally did and still let their talent, especially that young talent. If you're not being used, go make your money, go get better, go find yourself 
and make a name for yourself on the indies. Not saying that Nick Wayne has it. He's already done plenty of that, but still so young. And there's still almost so much growth in his body and what he can learn in wrestling, especially in all these different talents that GCW is bringing in with the independent wrestling from all over the world. He can still get uh, a lot of knowledge from all those people when he's not working with AEW. So um, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I just hope GCW or I hope uh, GCW is still able to use Nick Wayne along with some of these other talents uh, moving forward from AEW as well. Well, what do you say? I think we did it. We wrapped up the old emo night. Yeah? Yes, we have wrapped up emo night. I ah. one of the one of the more fun shows I and memorable shows in my opinion. Uh, if you don't take collective. it seriously. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't there looking for the five star classics. I'm saving that for the Joey Janela spring break. I'm saving that for Lucha, the world on Lucha. Um, I wasn't looking for any classical matchups, but like I said, that main event was way more than I could have ever hoped for. And Kevin Blackwood and Jimmy Jacobs had a really great match, more than I expected, because like I said, I was a little down on Kevin Blackwood for one reason or another, but. I am all in on Blackwood. Like I immediately told the people next to me when they were still there, because they were like I was, ta- I was talking to them about Kevin Blackwood and like their praise. I'm like, yeah, like we say on the podcast, like for me, it's not there yet. Like it's he's shown promises, then he goes back. He's shown promise, he goes back. But after this match, I was like, nope, I get it. I get why you guys love him. If this is what you guys see in him, and this is what I get to start seeing in him all the time, I'm buying any Kevin Blackwood stock, and um, I hope we get to see that moving forward. And I hope we get to see Sad Boy Charlie move forward as well. <laughs> I'm really rooting for him. I don't know. Weed Farm Charlie's kind of interesting, but you know, we'll see. I love Sad Boy Charlie. I just love and Janaki. But I love this show. I've got to stop talking about it. I know. I I'm probably giving this one way more than it needs to be, but fuck it. I was there. I'm talking yourself. about That's it. Yes. Okay. Finally get to talk about it and I'm gonna get it all out there. And I think I have gotten it. Incredible show in my opinion. All right. So we kind of did all the whole memorable moments and everything because there was only four matches. and Yeah. Yeah, so we'll send them out here. Let's do it, brother. The right way this time. Uh-huh. So we got uh-huh. three more. I'll, uh, we'll make a mention of this now. Just kind of give them a heads up before we lose. So we do have three more shows to catch up on um, and, and uh, record and send out. They might be shorter just based off of how we've kind of done this whole collective where a lot of the GCW talent more talent heavy on those shows we've covered those a little bit longer those shows that didn't have a lot of the gcw regulars and normals we kind of have condensed them a little bit because we're unfamiliar with a lot of the names and a lot of the talent and uh we still do want to give them the spotlight and still want to learn about them and uh tell the fans about them if they're interested they go check them out and where they could do that uh where they could do that and we got DDT, which is obviously almost all DDT talent, so that's going to be brand new to us, but might be a little shorter. And we might uh, do that one first, going into DDT versus GCW, just to kind of give a little background on the DDT wrestlers mm-hmm. and kind of cover the GCW versus uh, DDT a little bit more in depth, as it has more GCW wrestlers and Effie's Big Gay Brunch. We're going to cover that party, um, and that will be the it for the collective uh, podcast. But we do know we're recording this now. I know it's later and we, we had a technical mess up and that's why we couldn't get the uh, podcast out in as in timely manner as we kind of hoped for. But um, this weekend, this is the Friday the 14th and there is two GCW shows this weekend. Next week, we don't have as much recording time, so we might cover 
the rest of the collective weekend, DDT, DDT, GCW, and Effie's Big Gay Brunch at a later date when we get all caught up and uh, stay current. But uh, keep follow us on Twitter. We'll keep you guys updated as best as possible. But we will cover these shows um, to finish off the collective weekend while doing our best to stay up to date on current GCW shows and happenings and don't fall further behind as we have already. And thanks for sticking in with us here while we do this. We're busy men doing a lot of busy things. Yeah. Like I said, every show is probably close to around eight hours of prep between the both of us. It is how it is. Like just recording tonight. I mean, what are we in so far? Three, three and a half hours. Yep. Three oh, hours. Just far. off the top. Yeah. Three hours. That took us. I mean, we sat down at you know, six. It's now, you know, running 10 o'clock or so. Like, and that's with us with a pretty good flow. So that's just four hours there. And then watching a two hour show for me can run three hours or so just on that. So on a four, on a four match show, I mean, still right there was four, five, six hours just for this one. Yeah. And we, we always try our best to stay current. Uh, those of you who have listened well, for a long a time, you know we don't. Always behind. <laughs> right? A review show is always Oh, yeah. Behind. That it's won't ever behind. happen like the next day. Or maybe sometimes it'll happen the next day, but I still have to edit it that night, and it gets out two or three mm-hmm. days later anyway. But we're going to yeah. try our best to stay current and in the in the know-how with what's going on in GCW while still catching up on Collective. So um, just bear with us on those three shows as we will try to fit them in as we can while staying current on the product currently happening. Yeah. Now we can let them out here. I just wanted to give that disclaimer just real fast because we do have a lot of stuff and our podcast always changes and we try to stay as transparent as possible with our recording and stuff. So uh, that way you guys could kind of stay kind of current on what we're doing on the podcast as well. But let's send them out of here. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Long. That was a longer breath than you expected. Whoa. We both did it at the right time and everything. Okay. Ready? That was like Zen like. Live. Yeah. That was, see. Yeah. It was nice while it lasted. It's like hitting a perfect three point shot from the half court, you know, and you're like, oh my God. Then you go for a second one. And (laughs) that was what we just did. We just sent him out like emo night. Oh, shit. I just breathed in. Okay. It sent out like emo night. Long live. Oh, 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 oh well, maybe it was done. mine too low. Uh, long live GCW. GCW. I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm in.